Hi, everyone. This is Jen Foster. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the BMX in our blood. I'm honored to introduce my brother's story. Here's Tim Strelecki. Just I don't project very well. (laughs) Yeah. I mumble a little bit. She yells at me all the time. Is that a little better? Yeah, that's definitely better. Perfect. Uh, So I think... Because then I can turn my back on her and ignore the fact (laughs) that she's sitting right here. I can go inside if it'll make you comfortable, honestly. It might. If it'll make you more it comfortable. Might. Plus, fine. I think you're going to get roasted here in a I minute. know. I was going to get a hat. I could, though, when it comes time for yours, because I'm going to treat yours kind of separately. Okay. You can come out and read them. Me? Sure. Why not? <laughs> that might be funny. They're your questions. Why not? I was going to have I was going to have Danny call in and ask you the question. But then, you know, I, I thought about it on a couple podcasts. Like, why don't you have, like, a call in? Have, like, a call I in. I did recently with Ground Chuck. Oh, and oh you Tara did. It was at the, at the, that was the second one. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I, I I picked that up after I, I yeah. watched it and you called in and I was like, that's, that's pretty cool because that's it, a good it, dude to call in on. <laughs> yeah. I I I did two interviews for the BF It documentary. Uh huh. I did one with Keith and I did one with Tara. Uh huh. Two separate times. Found out like I found out like last minute that it wasn't my whatever I you know my second interview was better than the first, mm-hmm. and whatever I had said wasn't going to make it. And I didn't you know sure. I'd, for a second I was bummed, but then it was like you know what mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anything mm-hmm. that no one else that's getting interviewed for this isn't going to say. Right. And I would like my experience and my life uh-huh. with Brian to be on a level mm-hmm. that nobody in the documentary shares. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 what made me okay about it because yeah. I, Brian, to me, I've always looked up to him, and you like know, a big brother kind of thing. Absolutely, as a big brother, because I grew up with two two older sisters, so I always looked oh, up to Brian. You are the youngest. Okay. Yeah, I am the right. youngest. So Jen is she's forty eight. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jen. Um, <laughs> that's right. She's older than me. She you just should. turned on the twentieth. Brian's birthday's tomorrow. Um, kidding? No. Oh, and wow. my, I have another older sister, Stephanie. She's she's fifty. Um, so I always look to him as like a brother. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jen and he, Jen and Brian have been together for thirty years now. Mm. So he's been around since I have been thirteen. Yeah, right. Late twelve, right. thirteen, and now you know by marriage he's family. So I have sure. all these experiences mm-hmm. and memories with him that don't even involve a bike yeah that to me are more personal than anything that we've shared on the bike sure yeah so it does make sense it makes a lot of sense if you see me doing this don't it's just going to mean that i'm checking are you just gauging my voiceometer (laughs) no 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 we're really talking in fact pretty much what we're doing is we're uh we're skipping practice and we're going to do a full oh, a full lap. I was always a better I was a practice person. I was I always know, better in practice. We're going to just we're going to try something different though. We're just going to Let's no do practice. It. We're going to jump everything. First first Let's do it. First lap around. All right. Is your first moto. We're just going to Oh, I got the butterflies. Jump jump just do butterflies. Everything. Butterflies. Don't. No, don't. It's, it's all good. Because uh I told you we're going to have fun with this. Yeah. Absolutely. So I am going to they got my stuff here. In the meantime, uh, I had an extra one of these from Superfly. I don't know if you've ever. Oh yeah, it. no, I've never seen it. No, that's awesome. So uh, I guess tell the uh, tell the listeners what you're looking at. Just got a a DVD here, uh, Super BMX Live for Today. I'm psyched on this. I don't watch a lot of uh, 
BMX videos. I don't spend my time on YouTube watching a lot of stuff. I just kind of gravitate back to the old days and I try mm -hmm. to find stuff out from like my era of BMX. Yeah. I mean, I, I watch, you know, I follow some people on social media. I watch some of their things and mm -hmm. it's crazy to see what goes on now a days, but stuff like this, I can't wait to watch this. This is going to be rad. And we, I was just joking. This is going to be rad. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, if you read, yeah, you saw at the bottom. DVD playback problems may occur in shitty DVD players. For best playback, don't use the <laughs> That's hysterical. I, I love stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that's I can't wait all to watch that. super fun. Oh, like yeah. Editing and wording. I love it. Everything. I love it. I can't wait. I actually ended up with an extra because he gave me one. Uh, Ground Chuck gave me one. So I ended up This with, is going to be good. With, There's a lot of good extra. dudes in here. I had to bring There's these things from There's a lot of people in here. Out. Wow. I know. I, I, my eyes started to bug out when I was trying to read them all, because there's so there's so many good Long Island guys in there. <laughs> and Brian Foster. Yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian's the last one listed. That's on so there. good. That's so good. No one's super fly. He totally did that on purpose. I would think so. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. funny. And actually, knowing anyone on Long Island, they would have done the same thing. <laughs> they all have the same sense yeah. of humor. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Tommy right. Bavona's was so funny. Oh, I listened to that the other day. Oh, I was man. listening to that the other day. Yeah. And it was actually in bed. Yeah. And then it gets to the it gets to the part where he starts talking about like what he sees oh, on patrol. in his day job. Ugh. Yeah. And I had to turn it off because I was starting to picture these things in my brain. Like when he talks mm -hmm. about the motorcycle accident and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm trying to go to sleep. This isn't what I want to hear right no, now. <laughs> Sorry, no. Tommy. <laughs> I'll catch it, up with you tomorrow. <laughs> I'm the type of person. I don't have the best memory, but if you if you kind of paint the picture, I, I think I just said I forget who I said it to, but I'll, I'll, once you describe something horrible that happened to somebody, yeah. So it was a guardrail. Oh yeah, a motorcycle versus guardrail. I can't look at a guardrail. And yeah. not think about it. Yeah. Every time yeah. I'm driving along a, yeah. not like all consuming, but it's it's there. So I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's, I had to turn it off. I was like, I, I don't mean disrespect yeah. here to either you or to Tommy, right. but I'm like, I'm trying to go to sleep, and this content's not going to help me. <laughs> you should you should find that point and then just forward through. Yeah. Fifteen second, fifteen second. Yeah. You just keep pushing because you'll hear it. Yeah, yeah but it's somebody's life. It's their life story. And if you're talking to someone about their life story, right? That's their life. Yeah, you know. No, I, I can't. You know, be. That's admirable to see someone that you know mm -hmm. you hung out with, yeah. and you did things with, and you rode trails with, and you, mm -hmm. you shared these, these experiences with, right. to go on and grow up and start a family and get a professional career like that. Yeah, and to do good for the community. That's that's cool to see. Yeah. He is along those lines of the desensitized that I don't know if I've talked to you about or not, but um, my state cop in Connecticut uh -huh. totally, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't bother him, mm -hmm. but oh, yeah. he definitely had himself, has he retired uh, last year, I think, uh, but the, some of the stories he would tell me, um, you could tell most of it was kind of like not they didn't care, but you could tell the, the the true feelings about it and how it may have really screwed with his head. Yeah. He wasn't talking about. Yeah. But he had to go. He was also on the SWAT team, so he had to go down to Newtown for that big school massacre. Uh, that was 
So he had to go in for that with the SWAT deal. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. But hey, so I respect those people. Yeah, absolutely. So Tommy, I totally respect what he has to go through. And like you were saying, it's giving back to the community. Yeah. That's that's awesome. So yeah, I think I think we pretty much jumped the first and second straight. So we're pretty much (laughs) we're on the third straight here. You know, with no practice. Ah. But uh, anyway, thank you for doing. I'm in fifth. I'm in fifth right now. I got to get to fourth. (laughs) I'll give you lots of chances. Don't worry. All right. I'll. uh, I, I won't jump something and you will. I'm positive. These days so I roll everything. <laughs> <laughs> then it's going to be an ugly race uh, between you and me. That's all right. <laughs> um, so so anyway, thank you. Thank yeah. you for doing this. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad we can make it happen. Yeah. And the the circumstances and the way the day the day is gone were were yeah. amazing because it is meant to be because we're sitting here together and we're we're we made it happen yeah um yeah i do want to thank um i don't know if he's good with this or not but i'm going to tell it i could always cut it out i'll ask him after but brian bono works for southwest as i told you uh and when there's something like this i want to do uh because he asked me to to do this uh like coming out here he usually can find it has always he's 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 always found a a non-revenue ticket a, a free standby pass ticket so i'm able to pull this off get to you in the morning fly back tonight and still have a good a good day and uh i appreciate uh, i appreciate him for a lot of things but uh but um brian bono is just uh or bono is he's just such a great guy he, he makes stuff happen. He got me to a funeral in uh, for my uncle in, wow. in Idaho. And that was a big ask because I had to fly to Colorado first and over and blah, blah, blah. But I wouldn't have been able to go like that. Um, I could have paid a grand for a short notice ticket. Instead, found the, the flights that had the most seats available so you could go standby and be pretty sure you're going to get on. So the whole trip back and forth with two layovers worked out perfect place. He's on top of him just being a great guy to yeah. talk to yeah. and I purged all those photos of you out of him. He wasn't going to do anything with him. I'm like, "What are you doing? This is our job. We need to document history, Brian. Let's go." So I got him sucked into it That's and, funny. Uh, and he pulled out some really good ones of you. Pulled out an awesome picture of Brian Foster. Uh, you, you. I'm sure you remember him because he may think it's like a second-rate picture. Oh, this isn't good enough, or whatever. And we're looking at it, going, "This is like the moment." That's <laughs> you could feel that moment watching Brian. At, I yeah. believe it was Woodward. This is the picture he took. Yeah. Uh, pretty sure it was Brian. I don't think it was you. No. It may have been one of you also, but I gotta remember. I gotta yeah. practice. It was Cyclecraft days at Woodward, so it would have been late '80s Cyclecraft. So I don't know. Late, late, uh, well, Cyclecraft was like, Cyclecraft was like early nineties. Okay. Early nineties, but we had a we had a squad. Mm -hmm. We had a squad, man. Like, Mm. I think I got on. Brian got on. It was Colgrove, McManus, Shag, Keith. Oh yeah. Keith was on there. Like we were all on the team together, and it was like. It was barely over. Oh, and then Rochi, right? Yeah, like. 
we all kind of left mm-hmm. Psychocraft and Iorochi came. Sterius was on the team for a little bit before he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Uh, with all of us, before he dealt with his, uh, his disease. Right. Which I'm glad he's still around. Oh, yeah. Because um, he, pushed, he pushed me in a huge way. Huge way. All I can, that's pictured in my mind is you and he battling at South Park. And uh, he was powerful. He was, he had yeah, he power. wasn't like, he was never like the smoothest cat. Right. But the so. dude was so strong. Yeah. So strong. And I would, you know, it was funny because when we were, when we were on Psychocraft and Betty and Joe Martino, mm-hmm. they lived in, well, they probably still do. They live in Tennessee in Kingsport. Right. You know, you know, and we would go as a team every summer. She and... Joe would have the team out and stay in the house. Not everyone would go, but yeah. quite a few of the people would go, and we'd hang out and just kind of bond and become a become mm-hmm. a team. And and, and uh, that was always that was always cool. So I spent summers there with you know yeah. B.J. Gant and Abadessa, right? And I think Barry and Cogrove and B.F. and oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, you know. And we just we just ride around, sense. have fun, and 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 Mark was obviously there for a couple of times, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just cool. It was yeah. a good time. Uh, it was a good time for all of us to watch, believe me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a, a good reason for not... Maybe I intentionally didn't make some expert mains so I could watch yours. I wish that were actually the fact, but it's Those not. Those were the days. Those were the days, man. Some mains you, you confronted, I'm sure, where you're going, oh, man, this did not stack up well. I'm going to have to have a good lap to not miss the main. Yeah, or, there was always ones that were... There was always, you know... There were always races that were... You know, you know, you'd, you'd have that, you'd have that feeling when you got on the gate where you were like, "I got this, no problem." Mm-hmm. And then there were ones where like, uh, I don't know, and you, you, you got on the gate like really, or at yeah. least myself, I'd get mm-hmm. on the gate and I'd be like really uncertain. Yeah. And it, it, you know, ninety percent of the time it worked out, but there was always those times where it didn't. And I think, I don't. There's a lot of races that I don't remember, mm-hmm. but there's only a f- uh, there's quite a few that I do, and I remember the the one race that sticks out to me the most mm-hmm. out of every single race that I've ever done in my life. Right, and it was only and it's only because well, it would stick out if it went it, it, it would it would stick out to me if it went the wrong way also, but it sure. in this case it went the right way. Yeah, <laughs> so it sticks out for a positive reason, sure. but. There was one NBL Grands where I think it was, it was, all right, the points were super tight, and it was, you have to win this to get number one, like, straight up. I knew Only it. win. That's the only way, that's the only way you're going to do this. That's the only way you're going to get number one, and I'm like, all right. So I knew that after I qualified in the semi, and it started, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of time. Bef- it was it was cruiser. Yeah. It was a cruiser um, main event. And so it's toward the front. Yeah. So there the was there was some time to sit and let it marinate and think about what I had to do. And I went to the gate and I was like, all right, I have to win this to get number one. And it was stacked. Yeah. I mean, it was stacked. Yeah. It was. I think it was me, Vanderveen, Justin Lafredo, Inhi, maybe Eric Zupko, but there was. A bunch of hitters, and I'm like, oh, I just don't know about this. <laughs> and it turned out that I had built up so much anxiety and nervous energy that mm-hmm. I smoked everybody. 
I smoked everybody. Work that way with people. No, and the the you may remember this, and mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite images ever. Mm -hmm. It's that photo from Bicycles Today, uh -huh. where it's the last straight. It's a head-on shot of the last straight, and I'm just sitting down with both hands in the air like this, and I there's a huge gap. I had never seen that. Oh, you've probably seen it. You just don't remember it. Probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I can, I, I probably have it on my phone. Sure. Um, but that to me was like one of the ones that stuck out because there was, I put, I put so much pressure on myself. Yeah. And I did it. Yeah. And that was like, whew. yeah. <laughs> you must have been. Oh, well, obviously, you're you're pumping the number one. So it's one of the coolest photos I ever had. It's still simple, but it speaks. It it speaks so much to me because I know I know what was going on in my brain before mm -hmm. we even hit the gate and I was like alright I'll do it it's just like the supercross guys like all these people they they know what they have to do but it's so hard not to think about it like did you think about it while you were leading no when I was racing I was just, just racing like, I was just racing I was like I don't even I don't even remember the lap I remember crossing the finish line I remember, actually, I, I stand corrected. I remember going, I have the lead, this is perfect, go. Don't mess up. And then I don't remember the rest of the lap, and I remember the finish. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, if you won to the first turn, your chances, that's what's great about that track. Your chance, you're, you're not a lock if you went to the first turn. No. There's a lot of places you people, people can and make those berms were big and asphalt. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they were, I don't think they were asphalt. They might have still been... They still might have been dirt that year. Yeah, I think you might. A long be right. time ago, kids. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that would have been. Um, but yeah, late eighties, ninety or ninety, ninety-one, maybe. If it was depends on how old. It was like, were, yeah, ninety. I was, I think I was fifteen, so. Ninety eighty-nine. It's probably ninety-one, ninety-one, ninety-two. Yeah. Right around there. Yeah. Well, actually, to put this in context, and I'll ask the rest of your your sister, Jen. Oh. The rest of her uh, her question after, but um, I believe she said ninety two, ninety three. You and her moved out to California, so it had to have been. If so, you may have. We moved out to California yeah. in ninety four because I graduated uh, high school. I see. I okay. graduated high school. We we had we had discussed this, and you know, mm -hmm. I had I had the 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 typical BMXer dream. Mm -hmm. Going to move to California. Right. And I'm going to race BMX as a professional. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Give it a shot, right? Yep. And Jen and I talked it over, and we decided to do it together. And I graduated in 1994. I graduated in 1994. Um, I worked the summer, saved up money, and her and I were gifted the conversion van that my mother and father would take us to all mm -hmm. the races. They gave that to us. We packed up, and... We uh, we headed out. Yeah. We headed out of town, and uh, yeah, so that was like '94. Yeah, yeah, because that's when I graduated. We'll get into the the deeper into the other part of it later on, but uh, I believe she had said as soon as you got to California, bam, you tore your ACL. I did. I did. We were out at uh, we were out at Cheap Hills. We got an injury section of this interview, so. Oh. So uh, yeah, we can go through bone by bone. But go, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, free absolutely. Flow. They, each free each flow. one tells their own story. Yeah, yeah. Tell um, go for it. Yeah. So Jen and I got to California. We we luckily I think we we landed upon an apartment complex in Costa Mesa. Mm -hmm. 
um, that I think someone in the retail industry, Jen, I think knew somebody that knew someone, or I forget how it worked out, but we, we weren't going into the move blind. Mm -hmm. We had a place to land. Yeah, yeah. So we landed, signed the lease, got moved in, everything mm -hmm. was fine. And then I don't know how many days or weeks after, but it was down at, uh, down at Cheap. Right. And I think I overjumped the bowl jump, just flat, you know, flat landing, you know, total just one footer, trying to save it, trying to save it, trying to save it, and hit the ground, hyperextended my knee and tore my ACL. Um, being 18 years old, somewhat irresponsible, uh, not having health insurance, you know, call mom and dad back in Long Island, tell them what happened. Yeah. And they're like, all right, you got to come home in order to get us to get this all figured out. Yeah. So yeah, I flew yeah. back to Long Island, got it all figured out, mm -hmm. and stayed did, did stayed you... on Long Island until I got better. Oh, so you did get the surgery? I no, that was, came later. Oh, all right. Yeah, that came a little later. Mm -hmm. um, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, so stayed with my parents mm -hmm. and then moved back out um, and then resumed you know living with Jen sure so kind of felt bad that she was out there holding things down by herself but she's you know she's smart she figured it out yeah I don't doubt that <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um, yeah so that was that was that episode and yeah. then the knee injury that the, the oh actually hold up on that because I've got a couple injuries in a row that I, I think move into other things we okay. want to talk about yeah you sure. know what i mean because injury led to recovery we'll get into that um part of it was a part of this is kind of a keith Morgan question too because he said aside from wanting to know what your infatuation was with uh cardigan sweaters in the late 80s early 90s story about that too <laughs> tell it, tell it, go for it. I'm cardigan sweaters. Right. I don't know. You know, it's 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 the nineties. Mm -hmm. You live on Long Island. Yeah. There's. Uh, I mean, I don't. Wow. Well, maybe there's a different. Were you out? Were no. You out at, at Montauk for the summer or something. No. What's going on? Well, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how it came about. I just think it. It was. I think it was like influenced through my high school and I just seen people wearing them and I was like, oh, that doesn't look too bad. And right. I just started wearing them. Yeah. I just started wearing them. And then, you know, there's, you live on Long Island. There's a ton of Guidos out there. It's yeah. kind of just the fashion sense that was on Long Island at the time. As weird as it is and as dorky as it is, it just went with it. Uh -huh. Like I had all sorts of weird outfits. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was a lot of just the product of my surroundings and then mm -hmm. you know my my surroundings being in, in in high school also sure or junior high and then i remember i think i learned more of a fashion sense and this is weird from from bj gant that's a funny story that's a funny story <laughs> we can get i have a hard that. time envisioning that no yeah it was funny like uh and he was on at the same time as you on psychograph right yeah yeah and uh i think it all that all came on from one of the trips we went uh where was it was it, it we were traveling to the worlds uh -huh. 
So it was either like Michigan Worlds. No, no, no. This was like '89. It had to be the. It had to be '90, '91. So 89, 89 was Brazil in Sao Paulo. Yeah. Then ninety, there um, it was nineteen ninety. There okay. was, there was, two world championships because there was two governing bodies. There was your typical uh, IBM XF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was the FIAC. Ooh. Which were two totally different one. ones. Yeah. So, the FIAC World Championships were in Spain. Yeah. And that format racing format was completely different than anything we were used to in America and then you had your typical IBM XF Mm -hmm. which was in France the following weekend so the whole BJ thing comes from in order to go to Europe everyone flew into JFK and the whole team Team America if you will boarded from JFK flew out to Europe Mm -hmm. so I think BJ and maybe even Brian, I don't know. But I know BJ, I think, came to my house early on mm-hmm. before we went to JFK and headed out to Europe. And we spent like a week there. And I remember, I think we went clothes shopping and I just followed his fashion sense. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, do this, do that, do this, yeah. do that. And I'm like, all right. So I just followed it. And if, you, if, I, if I dug up some of those images, you'd be like, oh boy. Because I have, I have a ton of photos mm. of that whole trip. And it was a great trip, I mean... Mm-hmm. Who went? I like. I found a picture. I found a picture the other day. Uh-huh. Of like the parade lap, the nation's parade lap from France. Yeah. And I mean, it's just a ton of hitters. Yeah. Ton of hitters. I mean, me, Brian McManus, uh, Pistol Pete. Oh, okay. Uh, Carter. Uh, Mark Sterius, just like me, mm-hmm. Michelle Carnes, you go, th- like, you could look at this photo and be like, this is legit, like, yeah, like, you look, you look at, you look at the, you look at everyone that's standing in Team America, yeah, and then you look around at the other nations, and you're like, nobody's got what we have, yeah, like, you, you could legitimately walk down the list and go, this guy won that title, this girl won this title, that guy won this title, right, and just, it's insane, it blew my, it blew my mind, like, I stare, I st- I looked at it for like five minutes. I'm like, I can't believe I was even part of this. Yeah, we got to get into that after because it, and make sure whenever I say it, we'll talk about it later. Don't let me slide on that. I've listened to a couple of mine. And I'm like, oh yeah, we'll talk about that later. And we never get to it. This podcast, uh, just because of my ability to not keep a straight track, is mm-hmm. going to go. I don't. It's going to go left. Nah. It's going to go right. It's going to come back. It's going to go all over the place because all these. Uh, the more, the more I talk about. Mm-hmm. My past in in the BMX in, in BMX, right? The more that these memories become clear, mm. and they're memories that I haven't thought of for decades, maybe. Yeah. But they all once I start talking about it and thinking about it, it just it comes back like it was yesterday. And, and to me, I want to talk about it not not for just the reason of, of almost reliving this with you. Yeah. At me as more of a spectator because you know I may have been in a cruiser main, but I sure the heck wasn't in the eighteen over or twenty whatever it got to eight whatever um the one that brian won is the last of the 18 and over and then i think they switched way after he moved out because he won that one he won 18 and over and then he won superclass the following year yeah and i think that next year they may have made it 24 and over it was like 18 19 then i don't know i, I don't, don't even i guess. don't remember <laughs> it doesn't matter it doesn't matter for for this part but uh um so well as long as we're talking as long as we're talking about 
Gant being the uh, BJ being your your fashionista, <laughs> your your recommendation for clothes. Well, he couldn't have been the recommendation for you putting those fork fins on, right? No, that was solely me. It was. That's kind of something that you look at, mm-hmm. and you're just like, ah, oh, it was a dumb decision. But well, it, see, but at the time, the body belt. Well, the, you had the body belt too. <laughs> I had them both. I had them both. The only thing I didn't do was the the over the hand wrap that they had the grip the grip wrap because they had one that was like you know you, you, I, I don't know I don't even know what to call it but right. you put it on your grips and it like held your hand on it's like it's not what you want <laughs> yeah like I don't I don't want to do that I mean I'll run the fork fins and the body belt because right, right. they just seemed like everyone was doing it at the time and Mark Sturius was <laughs> yeah he was doing it I mean everybody was doing it but yeah I ran the fork mm-hmm. fins I ran the fork fins or as they were called I think they dubbed them dork fins <laughs> And no disrespect, uh, right, I, right. I believe that was that was Brian Fell and Ghetto Wear that came oh, up with that. Right. Yeah, so, I knew it was Ghetto Wear, but I didn't know it was Brian. Yeah, I think Brian Fell was Ghetto Wear. Mm, that's awesome. Like that was him. I'm sure you're right because I, I didn't have any. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, oh, good for you. <laughs> no, I had goofier stuff. But we have. I mean, it was that whole influence. Like yeah, it was just yeah. like people were doing it. It didn't matter then. Like you, it was early '90s. You could whatever you want. Everyone was experimenting, and it was. There's a lot of opportunities for people, especially in pro, to get a little contingency money. Yeah. yeah so you put anything on. Yeah. It's like the whole Pro Forks deal. Yeah. Yes. I was, I was never part of that, but, <laughs> yes. you know, you can't, tell me those, you can't tell me those dudes didn't have them locked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way they would have been as fast on suspension front forks. No. They no. had them locked out. Yeah. And said, yeah. pay me. Right. <laughs> Which is funny because now I don't know how much you follow, but Garrett Burns and Ruben Alcantara. I saw that. And Mike Bennett. That's crazy. I interviewed him when he brought that when he brought that bike. When they started, to, they were right on the verge of starting to release that fingers crossed deal. Yeah. And they make a good case for it on uh, definitely downhill. Oh, I can understand that so completely. They, yeah. Because I've seen a couple of couple of uh social media posts where mm-hmm. Ruben is just doing his thing mm-hmm. on that bike on the you know the terrain that he's riding it's just yeah. like Ruben's style on that kind of terrain yeah is is pretty rad to watch it, yeah like I find myself just staring at the phone like staring at the clip yeah. seven or eight times in a row just because it's so rad it is because you know the best thing he is? just keeps it true they're not selling anything no they're not. They're not interested in selling. No. They're interested, in, and this is my take after talking with Garrett. And I could. I could be wrong. Things may evolve and change. But it was basically like, no, we're not selling. We're selling an idea of a way you can have even more fun on your BMX bike. That's the best. That's the best idea to sell. I know. It's yeah. great. No gimmick. No yeah, nothing. Absolutely. Hey, this is what we're doing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt that. Two of you know, in my opinion most influential cats in, in, in BMX are, are doing it. You know, right. it'd be a lot different if I was doing it because people would be like, that's kind of dorky. <laughs> but the fact that like Garrett and and, and, and Ruben are, are doing it yeah. makes it look fun. <laughs> I would try it. I mean... I, I wouldn't try it, but I like watching it. <laughs> well, let's just say I, like I would try it. it on the baby trails. So like the, oh, I would do yeah. it on there. But yeah. I did ride around his block and it was... I jumped off a couple tree stumps you know, you know how you get roots that just pile up and yeah, yeah. the sidewalk so he's jumping off because he's like okay right 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 and i'm like oh my god this isn't this is gonna be I'm this good. is not where i want to test I'm good. yeah but anyway it worked out cool but um since you talked about uh the race that you won that 
was stacked. Yeah. I'm going to stay with Keith for just a minute here. Absolutely. He said, what is one race you would do over if you could? Oh, goodness. There's too many. Um, Which one burned the most? Because you were obviously driven. If I had a chance to do another race over, and the only one that really comes to comes to the front of my mind mm -hmm. is the cruiser main at Norway at the world championships uh, I pretty much thought like I, I was one of the three fastest guys I was meeting at the time it was mm -hmm. like myself Daniel Sprague who mm -hmm. was another cyclocraft rider from Australia oh, yeah, yeah. and then hyper and Maybe. then yeah. and then uh, Jean Tricard from France who was always tough yeah. to beat um, like it was one of the three of us that was going to win mm -hmm. and you know we were all in the main and mm -hmm. I crashed in the first turn and was it in the first turn? No I didn't crash in the first turn I crashed in the last turn with Daniel Sprague oddly oh, no. enough um, and I just I got an okay start and it just kind of like almost high sided in the first turn and it dropped mm -hmm. me back to like sixth or fifth or sixth and I just couldn't I just couldn't get oh, to the front okay. and I think Tricard didn't end up winning that mm -hmm. so if I had to do it over again I'd probably do that one because I felt like I felt like for that world championships yeah I actually trained for that as an amateur like mm -hmm. I went out and I just ripped laps uh, at the trails on Long Island and I just stayed out and I made that like my summertime goal mm -hmm. like I remember that you know I stayed I still I stayed at the trails till I couldn't see anymore till it was dark. I'd be the last one there, wow. and I would just stay. And all I did was think about the worlds, and I was like, I gotta be good, I gotta be good, I gotta be good. Yeah. And so in my mind, I was pretty much, you know, I, I had a good opportunity to win it, and I didn't. So I would probably go do that one over. Um, didn't you win the expert main after that? I did, I did, and that was another that was another scenario where, um, stacked. It was stacked. That's the one where I almost crashed in the first turn, because uh, I went in I think third mm -hmm. behind Tricard and Sprague, and I almost high high sided on Sprague's back wheel. Mm -hmm. So I didn't. I stayed up. I saved it, mm -hmm. and I was in third in the second straightaway, and then the, the straightaways were super long. Was this a left-hand first turn? Giant sweeping left-hand yep. first right. turn, left-hand second turn, right-hand right hand last turn. Yep. And Because Keith almost won. Keith got second there. He yeah. almost won. That was rad. Keith that was people. That was rad for me to watch personally yeah. as, as, as a lifelong friend and just knowing mm -hmm. that we were on this on this trip together and his mom was there as a chaperone so that was like that was like a super cool moment to watch him have that much success on the world stage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like went through the second corner and a still third wheel. Mm -hmm. And I remember I only have this straightaway to do anything. So I just put my head down and I managed to pull. Card or... I pulled even with Sprague. There was a triple step up going into the last corner. Mm -hmm. And it was right hand bowl corner. Hey, that's I, like your home track. Yeah. I pulled <laughs> even with I pulled even with Sprague, hit the triple, and I split mm -hmm. him and Tricard like I don't know how I did it. I honestly don't know how I didn't crash, but I split him and Tricard, and somehow managed to win it. 
and I think Sprague ended up crashing mm-hmm. in that last corner because of what I did. Right. And I remember crossing the line, winning, mm-hmm. and I remember that he was thinking about protesting. Yeah. Because he was, he was having words with the officials. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time when you crossed the finish line, you had to kind of sit in like a little corral before, oh, okay. you know, like you didn't just cross the finish line and go about your business. Right. You sat in a little corral right. until, you know, everyone was accounted for. I think that's what the purpose of it was. Sure. And they could do their thing. And he was talking to the official and I remember thinking, if this dude protests me, uh-huh. I'm going to fight him. Yeah. I'm going to fight him right here. Yeah. And this is going to be awkward. Yeah. You know, and it he de- he didn't end up doing it. Sure. And I luckily didn't have to to come to that, but uh I remember thinking that. So that was but did he also ride you rough too? Other times? Uh, he guys? may have. I don't I don't recall. So it was kind of an incident you weren't trying to take him out. No, I there was no there was no like malicious intent with yeah. my move. It was just like this is the last corner. This is the world. I want to win. I didn't win the other one. So this is what I have to do. It's like a bunch of two fifties in the LCQ. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anything goes. Last taking turn. taking four, I right. got to get fourth. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. So to me, that was it was a last kind of a last ditch effort to to do what I had set out to do when I started training, and it mm-hmm. worked out. Yeah. You were you were talking about uh, training. You talked about sheep. Yeah. Alan said, I remember Alan Foster asked and said, I remember uh, being. You being able to do a lot of laps at sheep, ten pack, fence, French, mm-hmm. uh, French bowl yep. or French and bowl. Yep. I don't know which yep, one. Yep. How many could you do in your prime? I think the most I did was twenty in a row. Wow. Yeah, I think I think I counted. The most I did was twenty. Wow. I might be might be plus or minus a couple, but that's that was that was how I enjoyed the trails. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a trick ferret. I didn't want to waste time trying to learn tricks. I wanted to keep it real basic. Um, and, you know, I had I had a very shallow bag of tricks, and I don't... I'm cool with that. I had more enjoyment and got more fun out of mm-hmm. trying to go until I physically couldn't hold on to the bars anymore. Even back then when you were a teenager? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, I just... It was... I don't know. It's just amazing because that's how people become champions, but none of us really wanted to do that extra work. Not none of us. I mean, it the was pe- just... The people I hang around didn't want to do any extra work. <laughs> you know, Jeff Allen, you know, we're not going to go do <laughs> hills together. <laughs> no, I just... Ima- I just that, that, for me, was how I enjoyed trails. I just mm-hmm. enjoyed the, the, the flow of the jumps. I enjoyed the flow of linking two sections together. I enjoyed the flow of them seamlessly working. Um, it was annoying when trails, you know, sure. lines didn't link up yeah. as well as you would like them to, but it was still fun, yeah. you know, and that's how, that's how I spent my trail life was just kind of just doing laps that's... because I figured in my mind mm-hmm. doing laps to exhaustion takes a long time, right? Yeah. Takes minutes and minutes yeah. and minutes and minutes and a BMX race is 30 seconds. But could you imagine riding the BMX track? How many times did you do it? Twenty. Yeah. Yeah. It's tired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, they're two totally different. I mean, you kinda... get pump versus pedal. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think you could do. 
Well, you could you could do 20 laps on a BMX track with pedaling, but it'd be massively exhausting. Yeah, yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, back in the day, we used to do that. You know, we would mm -hmm. have access to Shoreham, yeah. you know, um, and we would just go ride the track on a, on a, you yeah. know, on a weekday when it wasn't being used, and we would do that, do that as well. But for me, getting back to what we were talking about, I think I just enjoyed flowing the trails more than I enjoyed tricking the trails. Sure. I appreciated all the stuff that could go on and all mm -hmm. the guys that were able to do stuff like that. Yeah. And it was always cool, but I never, Yeah. I think in the back of my mind, like I didn't want to crash 50 times to pull it once. Right. I'd rather just right. flow around yeah. hundreds and hundreds of times. And that's where you and Danny, you know, yeah. you the same, same mentality. Yeah. Him and I believe you and I talked about it, unless I was talking to Brian last night, about Megalodon. Those yeah. two days of hundred laps. Yeah, that's and insane. And the pit crew basically there for him. That's insane to me. Because it's, they all want him to, to yeah. do it, get yeah. through. Yeah, Daryl did something like that too, I think. He's done some crazy marathons with only running a couple miles before he did. I think he did. He did some trail stuff too. Oh, Didn't he do like Europe. some stuff at Ninth Street or something? No, or, I, I don't know where he did it. I believe it was Europe before the Hastings deal. I think that was rad. Like yeah. that and like stuff like that. When I see yeah. Danny Boy do that stuff and I hear stories like that and I see Daryl do stuff like that, I'm just like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's what I latch on to. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like stuff like that because that takes a lot it takes a lot of patience right it takes a lot of it takes a lot of like uh, mental strength to do mm -hmm. that it takes a lot of physical strength to do that and that to see that still happening is is, is cool yeah because I, I don't know of anybody that just burns laps nowadays no no I don't either I don't think they're really set up for them anymore yeah, it's pretty I guess much you're, the I guess end, you're and right. you're coming back up, back to the right. back to the rolling, yeah. whatever it is, wood yeah. or dirt. I will ask you one, one more Keith Absolutely. question. Absolutely. This is when we start calling it. This is the, the Keith in Your Blood podcast. <laughs> That's um, all right. No, I love because I gave him. I gave him like thirty it. questions. You did. You gave it a ton. Yeah, and he entertained great. them all. So by all means. Yeah, uh, he wanted. <laughs> this is kind of funny because he. I know you did tricks because we did a contest at Binghamton. You, myself, Keith. That's right. Yeah, on that last jump. Uh, yeah. This that, was a very much a 90s yeah. thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Early 90s. Absolutely. It was a tabletop with no lip. And we're doing, you were doing. Keith won that. Yes. He won that. He did. Yeah, I remember. So he probably got second. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know, but I remember he won that. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. That was. Uh, he wants to know what, what is and was your favorite trick. Oh, God. Of the three that I was probably good at. I probably just enjoyed doing a nice, nice turn down. Those were those were easy. I was good at them. Mm -hmm. Every picture, <laughs> it was funny. Like, you know, I have these these moments where I want to do like a flash, flashback Friday or a Throwback Thursday sure. or whatever, mm -hmm. and I go through a ton of the photos that I have, and I found like thirty of them that were turn down photos, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm sensing a trend here. <laughs> And then, uh, but you were doing no foot cans. And no, I never did those. I tried yeah. to learn those. I couldn't do those. I tried. I tried just to do like single can cans. Mm -hmm. And I tried to do them for a test once. Yeah. With Keith on Snap, and they were so bad. Yeah. I think he was like, "Yeah, don't do that anymore." <laughs> so I stopped doing them. You're um, not Yokelet. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed a nice, a nice, a nice tabletop or a nice. Uh huh. Two seventy X up or a turn down. Yeah. You know. 
There's no, there, there's, there's a reason why I got a, a John Paul made us all Schwinn outfits one year and yeah. got stuff airbrushed on the back of them when we were all rode for Schwinn and mine says turn down Timmy. I think I still have it. That's it's in the garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. That's funny. Uh, you know what? Well, we're on the Keith Mulligan uh, yeah. set. He yeah. wants to know best and worst Snap Magazine bike test memories. Well, I did a lot, and I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They were all different in their own way. There was like some bikes you could hop on and be like, yeah, this bike's actually pretty good. Like, I would never go out and buy this bike, but right. the fact that I have an opportunity to ride it, yeah. it's actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the first test I did was on a cruiser, and yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Like, hashtag cruiser kooks or whatever you want to call it. I rode good on a 24 inch. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. I don't remember what kind it was. Keith it's might know. I don't, I don't yeah. remember. I know it was orange. Uh-huh. I know it was fun. Um, the roadkill I tested at Jeff Emery's house in, in uh, Fall, Fallbrook. The roadkill? As in uh, Jason Weatherhold? Is that who made it? Yeah, out I, of PA. Yeah, I, I guess. Believe. Yeah, it was a, it was the brand Roadkill. Yeah, it was super stiff. Yeah. and I was like, oh my god, I can't yeah. ride this thing. But mm-hmm. it actually turned it out turned out being pretty good. Oh, that's it actually, cool. it actually turned out being pretty good. Um, I thought it was going to be terrible, mm-hmm. but it actually turned out being being pretty good. And I actually, I actually, did a flashback Friday with that photo. Yeah. Um, not too long ago. Um, that's awesome. It it used to be rough. It used to be rough, and I asked Keith this a while ago, like when we were in the middle of all the testing, mm-hmm. was like, you know, riding some of these bikes really sucks. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool if we could alter them some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, the brands that were fortunate enough to, you know, give equipment to the magazine at the time didn't really want things taken out of their specs, you know. But I, somehow it ended up happening where we were allowed to make adjustments to the bikes. Like we could cut the bars and we could do, we could make bikes so they rode better, so we could test them better, so we mm-hmm. could give better feedback on the bike. Sure. And I remember we did, the first time that happened was like the coolest, because it was, we were out at our, I'm sorry, excuse me one second. Yeah, and my, don't forget your thought. My, f- yeah, I my just phone's wanna, on. I want to read, uh, while you're saying that, I want to um, read Dan's. My phone. So oh, not my it. phone. Sorry. Um, yep. No, I missed. We were out at we were out at Orange Y, um, which is now closed. Right. But the the test team at the time was myself, Scotty Ocalette, Chris Breen, and Josh Stricker. Oh, that was the test team. Yeah, it was. You know, that was the current iteration of it. So it was cool that the four of us tested a bunch of different bikes and we swapped bikes. But that was the first time I think I remember being allowed to. Um, actually make adjustments to the bikes that we were testing uh-huh. and we were all I think collectively we were all pretty psyched that we could do that because it made for it made for a better test right. and as a as someone that's taken photos for a magazine and having to put content in a magazine I would think that that is welcome you know because it provides better content and better feedback for consumers yeah in, I don't know if, if things were still this way but uh, but uh, you know back in the day there was a lot of like one piece crank bikes like 
yeah. you couldn't make it 10 I mean, minutes into a session, I would imagine. You look back at, you know, I was always fortunate to be a test rider. I was, I was, I was, I was mm -hmm. always proud of it. And I was thankful for the opportunities. Like I, Keith asked me to do it and I was more than happy to do mm -hmm. it. And I did it for BMX plus a few times. Um, but you look back, you look at back at like generations of testers like Bartlett and Moeller yeah. and all those guys before they rode some ratty ass bikes and they would beat the hell out of them. That must be what I'm thinking. You of, know, right? like back in the eighties, you know, mid eighties and yeah. stuff, they rode some bikes that you're like, wow. You don't have to vibrate, right? No, it should be. Uh, maybe I do. That's okay. Just so we can hear the ring. Um, no, it's not. Um, yeah, but you look at it and, and, as time goes by, bikes evolve and technology evolves and bikes get better and better, but there are mm -hmm. still bikes within testing that were like, I don't really want to ride this, dude. I really don't. I don't feel safe riding this. Yeah. And I know towards the end, like, I think, I think Yokolet used to go out and try to break the bikes. I think he did. I think I remember him, he and I were talking, he and I were roommates for a little while. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, I think he tried towards the end to actually like break the bikes. Like he would physically go out and case stuff super hard. I think I remember him trying to break a bike at Bose on the big, you know, because do you remember Bose? I you never. I don't know if you ever you know. Yeah. So I, it was a big like drop in. It was late '80s. Gravity out, there. big berm, mm -hmm. jump in, gravity out. You know, it was in you know the Schwinn videos and a lot of videos on yeah. the West Coast or from the West Coast. And I think I remember he just over and over just would bike rack the step up. Boom, boom, <laughs> and just try to break them. So that was always fun to hear his stories about that. Right. But. That's great. Well, you know what? Uh, Alan actually has the same. Alan Foster asked pretty much the same thing. Best snap test bike. But you, uh, would you say it was the roadkill? The best? No. Yeah. Or, no. The, the, the worst would probably be. I, I would give it. I would give it. I would. There's a lot to try to remember, I would think. It is a lot to try to remember, but. I remember that one probably being the one I disliked the most. I won't say it, the, it was the worst, sure, but it was probably the one that I disliked the most. But it actually turned out being okay. That's yeah. It actually turned out being okay. Mm -hmm. Like we, I tested some goofy ones. I, I can't remember them all, but mm -hmm. there's probably one in there that I was like, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to really rack my brain for sure. it. But that's the one that stands out to me the most. Well, that was in the era of. What park pre all these crazy bikes monocoque bikes and yeah. all this weird technology and Giant people were trying to make stuff. things different yeah. that really wasn't was different but not in a good way. Sure. So you got some you got some good ones. Yeah. Uh, all right. There's some more, more funny ones from Al Foster. Yeah. How how many hours a day do you spend on mad skills? Too much. Too much? Way too much. And I get yelled at it. My wife <laughs> yells at me for being on it way too much. Um, especially during what we're dealing with now, this pandemic. Yes. Like, there's a lot of indoor time. Mm -hmm. And she watches a lot of programs that I don't pay 100% interest to. Mm -hmm. So what am I going to do? I right. can't ride because I've got a broken wrist. Right. So I sit there and mm -hmm. I play motocross or I play this little Connect the Dots game. And 90% of it, 98% of it is motocross. Yeah. So there's a lot of time wasted on that game, but I love it. And right. I play, like, Alan's on there, but I don't challenge him very much. No. I play Brian most of the time. Really? He's my main competitor. We go back and forth. Like, I, it's, it's timed perfect because I'll play, 
and then he wakes up in the morning to go about his day yeah. and I know that when I check in a few hours there's going to be a game there and there's a game there and then we race and then I leave it and then he does it on his lunch break yeah. so he and I play daily but I waste I waste a lot of time on that game but I love it yeah it's addicting right well on that on that note we'll stick with Alan on this one uh, what happened to your RM um, Rocky Rocky Mountain, right? Yeah, the Fantasy uh, League? Yeah, the Fantasy Picks this year. What happened? Oh, I gave up on a few of them. Like, you, I, I... You let the well, rollovers do it? Yeah, it was, it'd be too late. It would be yeah. too late. Like, it'd be like, oh, crap, I gotta make my picks. Yeah. And then I go on, and there's like... You got... You missed it, so you got rollover picks. And you look at last week's picks, and you're like, alright, well, this isn't gonna fare too well. Or I just plain forget. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so that's what happened with that. And there's been like one or two before probably the lockdown where I'm like, I don't even care. Right. I'm in 40th. Yeah. I'm not getting 85 or 100 points. No. So, no. yeah, I just, there were, there, were, there were legitimately ones that I was like, oh, crap. And there were ones where I'm like, I don't give crap. Right. So I skipped them <laughs> and let the rollover take care of it. But it's fun. I enjoy doing it. Uh-huh. It's good to reconnect with everybody that's on that thread. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize, I think before the last round, mm-hmm. I, I took a dive into where I was at and who was leading yeah. and was surprised that there were some people way up in the standings and I was way where I was, but it was cool to connect and see who's all on there. I'm like, yeah. I didn't know this person was on there. I didn't yeah, know yeah. this person was on there. So it's cool to yeah. to have that you know, that outlet or that platform to where we can all connect. It's super cool. It's the and most it communication leads you Leads to ever some see. really good shit talking. Oh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And who, who would have thought it's it's actually the best way to get a hold of Brian now? Absolutely. Because that's what he follows. <laughs> Absolutely. So Ted needs to do, yeah. he needs to do outdoor. Because, yeah. Because uh, if there, I don't even know if there is an outdoor. Well, the funny uh, thing is like be. Brian and I, Brian and I for years, this is probably... This might be six or seven years now, mm-hmm. maybe even more. Because I moved out here, I moved out here to Illinois in 2007. Mm-hmm. It's 2020, so probably for the better part of seven or eight years, he and I have had our own little supercross battle, our own little just me and him, yeah, nobody yeah. else, pick back and forth, our own rules, our own mm-hmm. point system, our own bonus system, right. and it's something we try to evolve every year. Um, and with him, you know, it was it was like clockwork every year here's the points here's where you're at you sucked last year i get first pick blah blah blah. we would we would we would talk shit that way to each other but it kept us it kept us engaged with each other yeah because if we didn't have that i think you know we would have our relationship it wouldn't have suffered by any means um you know he's got his busy life now sure but it it kept us in touch with each other Mm -hmm. you know so that was cool and we, we were still doing that but the whole the whole, uh, the whole uh, uh, fantasy league that we have is, is awesome. Oh, it's great. There's like 39 or 40 of yeah. us. And... Yeah, I didn't realize that there was 40 people in it. Yeah. I thought it was just like, honestly, like eight people. Because it was only the eight yeah. people that keep chiming in. Yeah. And you're like, who's this? I don't know who's who's chime in because it's, I get the message too late. So whatever I chime in, it's like, it's already, the joke's already over. You know yeah. I, mean? I don't know half uh, of them. But it's awesome right. that they're on there, and I'm part of it. Well, you be rest assured that Ted Nelson, if he, you know, not if he did, 
he put it on and he invited all all the greatest guys. Just yeah, like it's great. Nice, I love having it. Super cool guys. I love having it and I love getting that like yeah. random thing in the thread yeah. where it's like, hey dude, check this out. Yeah. And you're like, what? He texted me after the, the second to last round, so going into the to the championship. Mm-hmm. Somehow I went into first. I saw that. I was like, good for you. Yeah, well, not for long. You know, right, because yeah. that last race was so messed up. That I last race get sucked. Anything. <laughs> last, nobody got anything. I got passed by Keith, by Keith Turb, by one point. Oh, that's Oh, I was pissed. I'm like, yeah. you know, come on. Yeah, All people, sucks. I got to get beat by Keith Terra on this. Oh. I'm just kidding. Keith's. Keith's hey, going. you played the game. Yeah. You played yeah. the game. And that's what it yeah. is. It's I, a game. I just knocked down to third, but you know what was really cool? Ted's uh, nephew, I believe, won. Awesome. Yeah, so I was like, "Dude, give him everything," and he goes, "I got news for you. There's nothing." Yeah, there's nothing, man. Like, because I said, "Why don't you give him my podium stuff?" Yeah, he's like, "You don't get anything." I said, "All right, well, just tell him congratulations." First place gets everything. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let's jump around because I just said podium. Yeah. And uh, we talked about this a little bit, Jen, Brian, and I last last yesterday afternoon. We did, we did a little powwow and we got some uh, some ideas down. Oh, jeez. Things that they were thinking of. Don't worry. It's all good. I love it. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I told you I would take care of you. I take care of everybody. I know. And I, I believe I've said this before, but I'm doing this for fun. Not to Absolutely. Make it look bad. And no one, no one's ever trying to make anyone look bad. There might yeah. be an inside joke or something, but, you know, we're all in it for the right reasons. Yep. You know, when you trust me like this, you, you know my intentions are good. So he, let's see, that um, I was talking about the, <laughs> the podium. I'm going to see if I wrote it down. Uh, let's see. So, all right. You know, I could, I could roughly describe this anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. This is, this is Brian Foster's interpretation of the podium. The winner is the happiest. Second place is pissed off. And third is just happy to be on the podium. <laughs> That's a pretty Sorry. accurate assessment. Like if I'm if I'm thinking in terms of me, mm-hmm. that's almost spot on. Well, guess what? It does have everything to do with you because they said, go back and look at his pictures from all the podiums, <laughs> and, oh, and yeah. look at the facial expressions when he's on the top of the podium versus third, and they said it's like, it's it. It's night and day. It's exactly what he. It's described. night and day because. Because yeah, you win, mm-hmm. everything's everything's cool. Like no matter, no matter if you didn't execute properly, mm-hmm. you still won. Yeah, you your your stoke is actually higher because you messed up so many times, but you still pulled it off. Right. So like, not only did you win, but you messed up and still won. Yeah. So you're like to the moon with happiness. Yeah, and that's that's cool. Yeah. Um, second place can go either way. It depends on what took place. Mm-hmm. during the course of the event mm-hmm. like if you battle back from adversity and your best was second or maybe first place was there and you just ran out of time or you ran out of circumstances or whatever and you still managed to pull off a second you could be happy either way yeah you could be like stoked on second or you could be like this sucks i'm the first loser which yeah. my mentality goes to that right and right. there's a whole nother ball of wax we could talk about with that well in I regards know. to in regards to darcy oh okay um and then third Third is like, yeah, you're you're happy, but you're still kind of like, what went wrong? 
you know so you're not right. you're happy to be up there and the goal is always to get on the box mm-hmm. but you're you're left wondering you're left is wondering it, is that a carryover from BMX you think for you me- mentally yeah oh I think I think because you train so hard you were so focused well and if it didn't happen here's here's one thing that I thought about in my entirety of my BMX career mm-hmm. I never learned how to lose yeah. and that's a big problem that haunts me to this day mm-hmm. I never learned how to lose like a lot of the guys that were successful maybe didn't start out with a lot of success and they had to come from the back of the pack or they had to battle adversity and figure out ways to win mm-hmm. and you could tell who those guys were just by their ability to come through a pack in such a short amount of time. Me, for whatever reason, from the day I got on the gate, I was fortunate enough to win. And winning feels cool, but winning doesn't teach you that life lesson. So when you do lose and things go wrong, you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to handle it physically. You don't know how to handle it mentally. Right. And that's kind of... You know, something that I wish I would have learned at an earlier age was how to accept mm-hmm. defeat in a better way. Right. Now, I think losing with my mentality made me go out and work harder so I didn't have to experience those feelings mm-hmm. at the next race yeah. or at the next BMX race or at the next whatever I was competing in in my life. Um, it made me work that much harder and that's just that's just a way I kept myself motivated Mm -hmm. so I didn't have to feel those feelings sure because feeling those feelings even to this day Mm -hmm. feeling those feelings I don't like them right I don't like them I'm more accepting of them and I'm more accepting or I'm more I have more of the ability to to reflect and to see that, okay, you didn't win. Right. You didn't even get on the podium, but what what happened? What was good? Sure. You know? And I have more more of a sense of reflection where I can be okay with it. Mm-hmm. It still motivates me and it still drives me to go out and be better mm-hmm. and to not make those mistakes again. Um, but hey, I'm human. Right. Um, but that's one of the things I wish I had learned at an earlier age. You know, mm-hmm. getting back to what I was saying with in regards to not being on the podium or not finishing the way or having the race that I, I wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime like a crit or a, uh, a cross race or anything didn't go the way I wanted it to go, I would be pissed off. I'd be pissed off. Because you knew and how the much car you ride home. Yeah, the car yeah. ride home for Darcy would be miserable mm-hmm. because I wouldn't talk. I wouldn't say a word. I would just be stewing yeah. in my in my misery. And in in those thoughts, all I'm doing is just beating myself up. Just Negative, not, just not, not able to see the positive in it all. Mm-hmm. And she got so fed up with it where she would be like, listen, you have 10 minutes. It's a long ride home. You have 10 minutes. Right. I don't care if it's in the car. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's in the house. Right. I don't care if you need to ride around for a while. You have 10 minutes. Right. And when that 10 minutes is over, you have to forget about this. Mm-hmm. 
And putting myself in her shoes, I was like, all right, that's fair enough. Sure. So I learned how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, not to say that in the days and weeks following, I wouldn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Or I would go to bed still thinking about it, but I wouldn't dump it all off on her. Because it gets ex- it gets exhausting listening to a bike racer complain about themselves or complain mm-hmm. about the woulda, shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Yeah. When to the supporter, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, it's over with. I know. You can't do anything about it. All you can do is go and try to not let it happen the next time. So I understood her perspective, and it helped me get more perspective into what I was dealing with if mm-hmm. it didn't go right. Right, right. That and then sense. when everything goes right, it's just like I can't shut up because yeah. you have such good feelings. Right, right. Which is normal. I would think for you, and you kind of mentioned this, it, it, it sends you home training harder and just yeah, even harder, if that's possible. Um, the other thing I did want to mention, because uh, because they're, they're all uh, talking about comparisons between you when you were winning in BMX and you when you're winning and doing well in cross and, and crits, um, I didn't see that uh, people... May, and I don't know if this happens, so let me, let me ask you. Since you're doing crits, don't you have to be the guy that they've said, okay, this guy's got legs today, so we're going to work for him. So sometimes you're not winning because maybe you had to help another guy lead him out. Yeah, that happens. So that, that's um, got to be taken into account. And that might un- unroll some other thoughts of why aren't I the leader? I can sprint better than that. You know what I mean? Well... It's a deep one, or it's, it's, I should it's, say, it's a deep one, and I'll, yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll treat it like an onion, and I'll peel the layers back. <laughs> okay. Um, so, BMX is an individual sport, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, all the pressure comes from you. All the drive has to come from you, if you want to be successful. Mm-hmm. So, knowing that from an early age, that has always been the way I've ever looked at anything competitive that I've ever done. And if you look back, anything competitive that I've ever done has been a solo sport. No stick and ball, no football, no baseball, no basketball. It's always been it's always been the individual effort. Mm-hmm. Because I like to rely on myself. Mm-hmm. I don't like to rely I don't want to rely on other people. Um, I've always just been more of the individual effort. Um, which you can't do in a team sport right. like cycling. So I tried to have a team last road season. Is that Franco's? Yeah. Is it called Franco's? I'm sorry. It was, it was uh, Franco and uh, presented by Brightleaf Homes. Brightleaf Homes is an economic, uh, a green home builder out here in oh, the okay. Chicago suburbs. Yeah. So they were like our title sponsor. Right. Um, but I tried the team thing and to not to not uh, get into too many details it just didn't work out for me Right. it just didn't work out the, the guys I was teammates with were great guys there were some things that happened in the course of the season that I wasn't fond of sure um, but at my, the fault of my own I didn't bring them up to anybody um, and discuss it all like a like a normal human being or, or even a team player would I just mm-hmm. felt like the fit me fitting into a team environment didn't work. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work. Uh, so I quit the team. 
Yeah. I quit the team for 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 the benefit of those guys. Sure. You know, they might listen to this and have a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, That's okay. But the reason I did it was because I knew I wasn't suited for a team environment. Right. I wanted to rely on myself and nobody else. Happens all the time. People, it, if they if they have to sit out because it, the team chooses a different leader for the tour, yeah, you can imagine how pissed off the guy it's is. It's not that, a wise thing to do in yeah. in a sport like cycling when a lot of it does rely on a team. But the way I view it is, mm-hmm. I've had success before on my own in cycling, so there's no reason I can't do it again. Right. And I just wanted to I just wanted to be on my own. Right. And I didn't want to be this. You know, I didn't want to. I just didn't want to fake it and make like everything was okay. And when it's not, it's not just. It just wasn't fair for them. Sure. So I, I separated myself from it, and I, you know, I hope those guys go on to be successful. But it's just sure. not. It's just not for me. And for cyclocross, it, it's it's not really an issue. It's just no. It's just the crit it's stuff. Just, right? It's just road stuff. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I I get that, and I was hope you did a perfect job explaining it, and. and uh, so so what? You got to grab someone else's wheel, grab someone else's lead out. You still, you still figure it out. out the win. Crits are sixty minutes or more. You yeah. figure it out, right? You figure out who's strong, right? But who's the, the weird thing is, though, you know, I was always, and I still kind of am. Uh, I'm always just kind of the guy that that I ride the front way too much, and it's not a it's not a right it's not a correct tactic to do if you're a solo rider. Right. So you kind of, I gotta rethink things and figure mm-hmm. out. I got some figuring out to do if I'm going to continue to do this mm-hmm. by myself. Mm-hmm. But I've always ridden that way. Yeah. Always ridden like hard off the front, make the race happen, don't let the race happen, you know, cause excitement to the race, be an animator, mm-hmm. you know. And if you blow, you blow. But if you don't, and you yeah. get off in a break, and you know you can beat the other guys, that's a good feeling. Yeah. So did you ever this uh, reminds me of a lot of Tour de France years of watching the Tour de France. Did you ever uh, defy the coach and, uh, and, and and really stir things up by saying, I feel good, I'm going. No, I never had a coach. I never had Franco's. Oh, we, I, we had we had like a, 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 a kind of like a team manager that handled mm-hmm. some of the stuff. But he wasn't he wasn't at a lot of the races. So he would never he would never dictate like a team plan like you see, like so like modern media portrays yeah. races like the Tour de France and other cycling yeah. events to have. We didn't have that. It was mm-hmm. the four of us. And we formulated a plan based on, you know, the depth of the field, the talent mm-hmm. that's in the depth of the field, the course profile, who's feeling good, who's feeling bad. What's our game plan? Yeah. And we formulated it like that. Mm-hmm. It was never like, yeah, I forget. We're not, we're not quite doing dude, pro, we're, pro we're, Tour de France stuff. We're yeah. forty-year-old <laughs> men yeah, yeah. riding bikes in the Midwest. Right, right. There's you're no not, paychecks. There's, we're not trying to sell stuff. There's no team. It's just trying to be. Yelling, the, yelling. It's trying to be the best, <laughs> the best you can be on the day and work mm-hmm. and have some fun. Yeah, that's, that's 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 what we were doing. All right, so we're gonna call Danny Bailey. Jimmy! What's up, Danny boy? How's it going? How you feeling? Uh, I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. We're getting, uh, you know, every day that passes is a day in the right direction as far as this broken arm's concerned. Uh, you're 100% right. Yeah. For what it's worth, just keep up the motivation because you motivate us every day. So oh, regardless of whether you're hurt or you're 100% healthy, just keep the motivation coming. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. It means a lot. 
No, it's a hundred percent the truth. <laughs> hey, um, do you have what you wrote handy? Uh, yep, I have it right in front of me. Awesome! I can't wait for this. And this is uh, this is a. I just love the concept of having you on here. You know how much I love your episode that we recorded. And you've got some really nice stuff to say about Timmy. So go ahead and shoot. You're being recorded now. Okay, well, before I get into the questions, from the bottom of my heart, I just want Timmy, but more important, everybody listening, to know how much respect I personally have for him. There is numerous people from Long Island, Keith Mulligan, I look up to extremely. Ronnie Gaska, look up to him extremely. Rob Morales, who I've been best friends with, look up to him. All these people, but Timmy has always held a special uh, place in my heart. So the truth, there's two BMXers that I put on, on a pedestal above everybody. Gary Ellis, Timmy Strelacki. And that is God's honest truth. Those two guys are the two only people. And with that being said, I uh, just want, I, I wrote down a couple of things, a couple of questions. But with that, I just want to say, Timmy, much respect for all that you've accomplished during your BMF, BMX career and all that you'll continue to accomplish on the road bike. Thank you. That means a lot. I, I, uh, I don't know what to say about that. That's like, I don't, I don't know. Like I never, I never thought I would have an impact on anybody like that. So that's, that's kind of really cool for me to hear. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And to go a step further, I mean, I, I've always said this. People always ask me, what gives you the motivation to ride so much? What, how, how you get yourself out there to do that? I have so much trouble just going to the gym to do this, to do that. And I always say, you're a product of your environment. I know for a fact I got the work ethic from my parents, and I know for a fact the way you were raised, you had to have gotten your work ethic from your parents. So much respect to your yeah. parents as well for raising Thank not you. just a great person, but somebody with a work ethic, work ethic that is second to none. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, the two questions I have, in your race career, Early on, was there a particular race that comes to mind that when that race was over, you kind of thought to yourself, like, hey, you know, uh, I'm pretty good. I, I think if I stay with this, uh, I'm going to be able to make a name for myself. You know what's funny? I have a story about that. That's a good question, Danny. Thank you. Um, yeah. I don't know if there was a specific race, but I do remember a time where I had to buckle down and figure it out. Um, my dad and I and my uncle, my dad's brother, we, we drove to South Park one year when I was still racing, when I was racing for BMX Country. So this is early on in like my, my journey into like stepping outside of New York State and racing nationally. Yeah. There was a time where I started to do that and we were at South Park and it was just like, it was a, things weren't going right. I think I had crashed a couple times. So I was just having a rough day. And I think I remember my dad going, hey, you need to figure this out because we don't know if we can continue to afford to do this for you. And at the time, I'm like, well, that's a pretty heavy load. You know, I'm, I'm like, yeah. 
I think I'm like 11 or 12 at the time. I'm like, I don't even know how to think about this as a kid. This is a pretty heavy load you're putting on me. So I was like, all right, you know, he's got a point. They are spending money for me to, you know, and driving me, you know, to Western Pennsylvania when we all know that that is not anywhere near Long Island. Um, (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I figured it out and I started to just do a little bit better and I started to get out of the motos and I started to make mains and those main, you know, those mains, those finishes weren't great, but I was at least getting to the main and, and starting to get better and better. And, um, you know, I just started to, I started to do better and make a name for myself. And I graduated from like BMX country, um, to wheel power, which everyone knows the story with that. And that, Matt Matt Lynch, Brian Foster, Alan Foster. Absolutely. Yeah. So we started like, that was kind of like my breakthrough when I realized, okay, someone has an interest in me. Um, this may mean that I'm, I'm doing something good. Like I'm actually decent at this. And that's kind of when it started, when it really started to click for me was probably right around the time I was coming out of 12 years old to about 13 years old. That's when I got from, that's when I went from BMX country to, to wheelpower. So I don't necessarily know that it was a specific race. I just remember it being like, a turning point and having like my dad had to have that conversation with me where like hey you got to figure this out and I remember I remember also having a thought you know being being like it was either going to come down to BMX or it's going to come down to skateboarding right because those are the two things I was doing at the time yeah. and I remember I was like okay and this is totally true story down in Port Jefferson somewhere I was skateboarding and I'm like all right if I can't pull this trick off in like three tries, I'm giving up skateboarding and I'm stick with BMX. And it was like a kickflip down like a two set and I couldn't do it. And I'm like, all right, skateboarding's done. It's BMX full time. (laughs) So I went and just focused on, on BMX. And then, you know, we, we dove in locally, we dove in on the state level and then we took it nationally. And then my dad had that conversation with me and, I think I even have a photo of that weekend of that conversation with that my dad had with me. Yeah, so it wasn't like a specific race, but I remember vividly that conversation my dad had with me about that. And now the second question I have for you, and after the question, I'll kind of give you a little background in what I mean. Now that you're done with me, BMX, Looking back, who was your uh, toughest competition and why? And what I mean by that is somebody who raced on your level, and you're not saying this, I am. (laughs) You raced plenty of guys that were unbelievably fast, that didn't have very much skill. You raced a lot of guys that might not have been as fast but had tons of skill. You race guys such as yourself who had the whole package. And you also race guys that might not have had as much skill or as much speed, but their mental game was just up there and allowed them to do things that under normal circumstances maybe they couldn't have if they weren't so strong mentally. So with that being said, who would you say really was like your toughest competition 
Oh, that's a deep question, man. There's been so many throughout um, throughout the course of my BMX career, but in the course of you asking me that question, the only name that came to my mind was Ronnie Gaska. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> That's it. That's it because because Ronnie was the total package, and I'll I'll say it straight out. Ronnie was better than me. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Ronnie was better than me. But for some reason, we, it would, and, and the, the reason I say Ronnie is because I would race Ronnie at a very high level at the nationals, but that didn't go away. We still had Shoreham to race. Yeah. So I dealt, we dealt with each other every weekend, every single weekend. And it was 50 50. And him having the skill set. The ability to ride bikes very well, um, the speed, the strength, the stamina, all those things that make a great BMXer, he by far was the hardest. I mean, there were guys that, you know, like you said, had the speed but didn't have the skill. So you knew at some point, even if they were ahead of you, they were going to blow up and you'd come out ahead of them. Um, so, hands down, hands down, I, I, I have to give it to Ronnie. You know, there were so many races where he and I would go back and forth. Um, epic South Park battles. Epic battles in Orlando over the Easter Egg weekend. Harbor. Egg Harbor. Um, Memphis, Tennessee. I remember there was a race in Memphis, a national, where Ronnie rode for Hutch. I was still on Cyclecraft. And I think, our, I think all we wanted to do that weekend was beat the shit out of each other. Because I watched the video, you know, a while back, and he would try to take me out, and I would try to take him out. And we weren't very friendly. We weren't very cordial to each other that weekend. I think we were sick of each other. Um, but at the same time, I had nothing but respect for him. Um, and I still do to this day. Because without, without Ronnie being around in my racing career, I wouldn't be half... I wouldn't have half of the accolades or half of anything that he forced me he forced me to be a better rider so I had to be and he pushed me to be a better rider I mean there's a ton of guys nationally that also contributed to that but on a daily basis hands down Ronnie forced me to be a, a better bike rider hands down hands down I, I had a feeling that's what you were going to say. Yeah. And and I'll hang up now. I don't want to hold you guys up. But Joe, thank you so unbelievably much for allowing me to do this and talk to Timmy. And there's two things I want to leave you with, Timmy. What's that? One is that my best friend in this world, Drew Jenkins, who <laughs> I'm sure you know very, oh, absolutely. very well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Drew and I have not just been friends on the bike, but even more important, off the bike. And he knows me inside and out. He, I know him inside and out. With that being said, when Joe had one of his jams a few years ago, I'm not sure if it was the John Lee jam. I'm, I'm one of them. But Drew gave Joe unlimited money because your race uniform was up for bid and Drew said Joe nobody is getting this uniform 
except DB. I don't care how yeah. much it costs. Here's wow. a blank check. This uniform is going to DB. Is that true? He loves it's Gary absolutely Ellis. true. He, wow. he loves Danny knows. Wow. And, Danny knows. And, even, yes. even though that uniform is twice your size. <laughs> That's how they ran it back then. That was the size I was given. Sorry. <laughs> Not because Timmy's big. Now because... I like things extra tight and form-fitting, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Liker. I know. The Laker days. TB, that's... Uh, uh, I can't thank you enough for your words. I, uh, it means a lot to me. I, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say because I don't... I never... I'm not good at talking about myself, but to hear... To hear uh, words like that, it means a lot to me, and uh, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, very much. Uh, absolutely, I mean that's what friends are for, and with that, Joe, thank you so much for allowing me to take part in this. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, and Timmy, from the bottom of my heart, I love you. Thanks, I love you too, DB. Heal up. I will. And, con and continue to motivate us because you motivate us every single day on Instagram. <laughs> and I value our friendship, even though we might not see each other all that often or talk all that often. I mean, words can't describe the, the bonds that BMX bring us. So thank you to the both of you and have a great rest of the podcast. Yes, thank you, DB. You hey, DB. Yes. I meant it when I said one day when I get back to visit my parents, we're going to share the road together, and I'm still I'm still holding my end of that bargain. I'll search you out. Now I got your contact information. Absolutely. I'm holding you to that because right. that's, that's one of the things Drew Jenkins always asks me, have you ridden with Timmy yet? I go, no, he keeps ducking me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I may have, but I promise you that's not – I haven't forgotten about that, and uh, I'm going to hold up my end of that bargain. I look forward to it, Timmy. All Have right. a great rest of the podcast and continue to feel better. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, Danny. Appreciate it. Danny. Yes. Yep. Thank you so much for doing it. And uh, it's the thanks is really to you. Thanks for uh, playing Absolutely. playing with this with yeah. us and, and uh, telling such a such a strong statement to Timmy. It was, it, was, it, was, it was only going to work if I could get you on the phone. It worked best, I should say. That was a, that was a really incredible moment. If you could see it, actually you will. Darcy recorded part of it. I, I can't wait, Joe. You're always so unbelievably nice and kind to me, and I probably don't thank you enough, but this is a perfect opportunity for me to say thank you and allowing me uh, at this particular moment to take part in this. I really do appreciate it. You're very welcome. I'll talk to you guys later. Be good, right. DB. Take care. Thank I'll, you. I'll talk to you later. Feel better. Thank you. Okay. See you, DB. You good? That was a, that was a strong one. I can't even... I can't what's, even like... What's going on in your head? I don't know. I'm emotional. That's That's... That's some pretty high praise, man. Like, I never knew that I had the ability to impact people in any kind of way. I just did did me. That's you, all I ever did. And to hear that, I guess. You've been doing it. You've been to doing hear it for that years. Is just, oh, I must have been doing something right. <laughs> you did a lot right. You did a lot right. That's tough. Yeah. Um. <sighs> better. All right. right. And it was uh, incredibly nice of, of yeah. Danny to. Uh, yeah. That's Danny. You know. You I know. know how he is. That's Danny. Yep. It's. Uh, they don't make. They don't make him like that too often. No. Don't not at all. Um, 
Well, we may as well go to Alan Foster's other question now. Yeah. One lap at Shoreham, who would win today between you and Gaska? <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Oh, I'd have to give it to, I'd have to give the nod to Ronnie. I would have to give the nod to Ronnie for a couple reasons. Mm-hmm. He's probably been on a bike, on a BMX bike, more than I have uh, since our like unofficial official retirement from the sport. Um, and I know that for a fact because he came back for quite a few years. Um, I'd have to certainly give it up to him because I would probably try too hard and crash. Absolutely. Because it would bring back a lot of those memories. <laughs> and I would try way too hard for the lack of skill that I have now. <laughs> and uh, I'd crash. So, without a doubt, I'd give that to Ronnie. I'd give that checkered flag to Ronnie. All right. All right. Couple funny ones, and and, uh, and I don't even think I could sprint anymore. No, like if we did laps, it might be a different story. Yeah, right, right. But I'm more of like right. a yeah. two hour, three hour well, kind of guy. I'm not a 30 second dude no. anymore. <laughs> well, that was kind of the joke when we um, when I sent you that picture of, of uh, Todd Wells at the Cyclocross yeah. Championships. Wish I'd followed that path. Yeah, well, nah, I mean, like it was, it was funny uh but it also meant a lot because he he was always in there oh always but he was the guy that was in third smiling because he made the podium yeah as far as bmx goes and then it switched over to mountain bikes mostly right yep um olympics everything it was amazing yeah so i i wrote up that sign i found the guy and had him hold it and this is more for the people listening and maybe i can find that picture and, and put it up on uh instagram but um, I made up the sign that said, you know, I, I forget rematch. verbatim what it said. It said, hey, Timmy. How about a rematch? rematch. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and the reason I say that is because, uh, well, actually, it would be interesting now, but um, you're, you've, been, you've been on the, on the road and on cyclocross for, for a while, so your form is really awesome. And, in fact, now he's retired because it's not his like form. three years ago. Come on. No way. He would smoke me. No way. Todd Wells would smoke me. If really? we had if we had to do one yeah. lap of a cyclocross course, yeah. he would smoke me. Just one lap. Yeah. If we did a, if we did an entire sixty minutes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd probably still smoke me. <laughs> because he's got he's yeah. got that next level training. In his years. He's, he lives at elevation. He's an Olympic mm-hmm. athlete. Yeah. He's a national champion. Mm-hmm. He started his his path to success in that you know in that genre of mountain biking and and cyclocross at an early age. So in he's college. got yeah he's got all these years of very mm-hmm. high level training in his legs yeah. and in his lungs. Yeah, retired or not, he'll yeah. smoke me. Right, right. That's that's my opinion. You can ask right, him, right. But, right. but. From what I know of Todd and his accolades and accomplishments in mm-hmm. mountain biking and cyclocross, yeah. that's not easy to do. No. Especially against the guys he was going with or mm-hmm. going up against at the time he was having his success. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. So, hands down, smoked. Yeah. I maybe could hang with him probably for a lap, maybe two. Yeah. I mean, if the barriers are tall, I'd like to think I could bunny hop them. I'd have no problem doing that. So maybe I gain a little bit on him, but right. I'd be psyched to keep him in sight. Yeah. 
yeah. on a cross course, which you can get lost in. Mm-hmm. You could fully lose sight of people. Yeah. And then you're just on your own. Yeah. But hands down, I give it to Todd. All right. We'll give it to Todd. And you make a lot of good points of why. Um, so he, uh, I'm sure he's a fan of yours. For sure. We had some good, you know, we had good battles, you know, uh, throughout the state series. And, I, you know, I even found a picture not too long ago from Bethel. I think from Bethel, where mm-hmm. it's me, and then he's he's right behind me in second. I think he, he wearing was, jeans and a white shirt. Yeah, I think he was leading, and I passed him. That was the, uh, I think I believe that was a picture I posted. Yeah. But he and Sean Radzinski, which funny is, I think first, second, third. I think Sean maybe got third. I think Bethel. he did because I passed Todd. Todd got second. He, and yeah, all of you guys went into endurance sports. Yeah, and Sean is really which really is good. bizarre, right? Yeah, it's awesome. You go from sprinting, but you you. Being a sprinter, you know, or being a BMXer, you have that you have that leg speed, you have that power, you know, and yeah. it just it just transitions differently as you get older. Mm-hmm. You find out different ways to use it. And you really, as you get older and you transition into different sports, you you figure out what kind of an athlete you are. And I've always, you know, even through all my laps at the trails and whatever, I've always found myself to be an endurance athlete, mm-hmm. which is weird because I spent almost twenty years racing BMX. Yeah, right, right. But in those twenty years. I had a lot, like my style was more endurance based, mm-hmm. you know, so that helped me it helped me tremendously when I made the transition out of BMX and into you know triathlon of all distances. That helped with the racing, with the training, and then eventually onto you know road cycling and, and the requirements mm-hmm. for training and that. It, right. It's all endurance based. Right, right. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Why don't we uh, to put things in context for people? Since you do, you 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 span a lot of years with cycling, whether it be BMX or or road cross uh, and triathlons. I de- I'm glad you mentioned triathlons. I didn't want to forget about that. Um, you've had you've had injuries, and and uh, if you could kind of give me a, a bit of a synopsis like it's the first one we kind of talked about which was the ACL and I'm, I'm not sure it's the first one but let's say let's say uh, post amateur injuries and successes but how that played out so you got a couple years to yeah. figure um, so the knee injury initially happened when I moved out to California still I think I think 18. I think at that time I turned a pro because I turned a pro at a at the Christmas Classic mm-hmm. when it was still in Columbus. So I think I might have been a pro then. I'm not sure, but after the the next the shredding of the same knee happened at a national at South Park when I rode for Schwinn. I think it was like it was I was probably like a pro open qualifier or might it might have been something I don't know. But oddly enough. Out of the first corner, there was that that double, mm-hmm. and then you went down the second straight, and we all know what that looked like. Right. But there was a crash. I got hooked up in it. I don't know who it was. I think BF was involved in it. But I think I was on top of somebody, just kind of our momentum was carrying us down the, the straightaway, and we came into the transition of the second double out of the straight, and it kicked my foot off, and I went straight into, like planted my foot flat on the lip of the jump and all my weight was still going forward so I felt it just buckle so at that moment it just shredded it shredded my knee completely um, 
So from South Park, I flew home with a completely swollen leg on crutches with a bike box to my parents' house again and got knee surgery at my parents' house, stayed there until it was all done, mm -hmm. um, and then resumed my life back out in California. And from there, that was 90... I don't I don't remember the years. It was 95, 6, 8? I don't know. I can't remember the year. But it was late. It is Schwinn. So it had to probably be like 98. I think. Mm -hmm. I think 98. Yeah. That sounds about right. Mm -hmm. So then in... Still living in California. Came back. Yeah. Or, got fixed at my parents' yeah. house on Long Island. Yep. Went back to California. Mm -hmm. And then in November of 2000 at Sheep Hills... I broke my tib, fib, and ankle on the 10 pack. I kind of came around the corners, hit the first two or three sets, and then I was going to pull off, but I stopped on the lip, and my momentum forced me, like, as it was such a steep lip at the time, I fell backwards into a hole, and I fell like all weight on the left side, and I just remember my leg breaking like a thick tree branch. Still gives me, I still audibly can hear it, I still sometimes can feel it. And I might be the only one to this day that's still gotten carted out of the sheep on an, in an ambulance. <laughs> Not that that's something to be proud of, but... Um, so there was that. And that was... After that, I never... I never... I never got on a BMX bike again. It was from sheep... From the laying in the dirt at Sheep Hills to a hospital bed mm -hmm. to recovery at Brian and Jen's house to triathlon and I never looked at BMX again mm -hmm. never wow. nope I can't say I blame you um, now at the same time you were you had made it to double A I right? made it to double A I was never any good um, and then I reclassified to, to single A. a yeah I and that's when I was single A that's when I broke my leg so I didn't understand when I made it to double A, I was psyched because that's like a lifelong dream. Mm -hmm. But I never understood what it took to be successful as a as a as a double A professional. Mm -hmm. You know, I was maybe influenced by too many things that were the wrong things. Didn't take it serious enough um, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. um, and I just never. I was never any good. Um, I had glimmers of success glimmers of hope maybe one a moto here a qualifier there mm -hmm. semi here or there but I never I rarely made the mains I could make pro open mains mm -hmm. but they'd get like 6th and 7th so it was never like a fruitful double A career right right so I and you were sponsored by who at the time I think it was Schwinn still yeah yeah and then I reclassified I got sponsored by S&M as a double A and that's when I really like that's when I really did I say double A? I meant single it's A. That's right, single A. Yeah, yeah. Well, I reclassified to single A. I got pick, picked up by S&M, rode for Chris for a while. And that's like when I was starting to buckle down and take it serious. Like I started training with Pistol Pete. Like mm -hmm. I sought him out because I, I live with Scotty. Scotty was in tight with Vans, which means in tight with Everett uh, Rosecrans, who was super tight with Pistol Pete. And we just started talking and I... I think I was talking to Everett 
at one point, and we mentioned, you know, he mentioned pistol on him, and it, it drew it drew my attention. You know, I know Pistol Pete from, you know, being a kid growing up, looking at magazines, looking at all the success, and I just always thought Pistol was a badass. Um, mm-hmm. So to have the opportunity to have training under his wing was super cool. So I took I took him up on it. We trained. He showed me the ropes. I learned things. Mm-hmm. Um, about training for BMX that I never knew before and I took it seriously and I made I made a run at the single A title I fell short of it uh, and got number three for the year mm-hmm. uh, I crashed in the first turn in the main and uh, that was alright and then that following so that was like August September like when the grands always mm-hmm. happen um, and then that uh, that November I broke my leg and never never got on a BMX bike again right so from what I understand, if you want to talk about it, sure. Uh, you, so so you dropped BMX. Mm-hmm. I believe you were still working at S and M while you were while you stopped. Yes, I still. So I, you were riding your bike. This is what I gathered from BF. So blame him if, if I. No, actually. I was. I was still. I. I wasn't really riding BMX, but mm-hmm. I was starting to get my feet wet in the whole like triathlon side of things and starting to figure that out and and finding out like this is something I want to do this is challenging like this may be the next step not to say that I was ever going to take it professionally because it just it takes too much time and energy and money but it it interests me and I was good at it or Mm -hmm. I was getting good at it Um, but I was still working for S&M and uh, it just wasn't a good fit Mm -hmm. you know like I was still I think I was working in the warranty department and there was like a disconnect between you know, here's this guy working for us that is not a BMX. not really into BMX and is transitioning a whole nother way. Mm-hmm. And um, we had to, I had to part ways working there. Chris, you know, said he had to let me go, which at the time I didn't understand. And I was kind of bummed out about, but I understood from like a business sense. There's mm-hmm. like a guy trying to work for your brand that doesn't want anything to do with the BMX industry anymore. Yeah. And you know, he tried. To, he supported me. Um, throughout the entire injury process like I was still when I could get up and walk and get around on crutches like he welcomed me back to work and supported me that mm-hmm. way financially um, he was there at the hospital when I was in the ER uh, filling out the paperwork because I didn't have family around like I don't Jen was probably working right. I don't know Brian where he was but Chris went to the ER was filling out the paperwork so he supported me in that aspect mm-hmm. but I understood where he was getting going from from a business sense and, and what made sense for for S&M at the time so I got out of work in there and dove heavily more heavy into physical therapy and my physical therapist at the time was into triathlon so I gravitated and latched on him and okay. learned how to become a triathlete now you say a triathlete but you were you did an Ironman I did a few a few yeah that's no joke like qualifying for that and that's something that that we were talking about last night not you and I uh Jen Brian and I it's amazing like I mean I, I I've run a couple marathons which I've told you um, from home mm-hmm. the unsupported fun ones yeah. where you're like I'm either gonna make it to my next hidden water stop or I'm not yeah um yeah because once you get far into it, it you hit a danger zone if you haven't prepped um, oh yeah you can do a, you can do a you can do a sprint try with no training you could do you know, if you're if you if you're gifted, you could do 
you know, an Olympic distance, which sure. they don't really have anymore. Right. Um, but to go to go the longer distances, you have to you have to invest in it. Yeah, so, so you've got let's say you're an average runner and you're around four four hours for a try or for a marathon. Um, you still have a hundred mile bike ride and two point four swim, something like that. Two point four mile swim, one hundred twelve miles on a bike and a marathon. Yeah. So I've only done one part of it, and I was I was wrecked for a week or two, and I did it again. And then I was really wrecked because I didn't wait long enough. So the reason I say that is, you hit some pretty, pretty long distances. You've transformed quickly. It sounded like into yeah. a, a an endurance, a true endurance athlete, like high, high level endurance. Well, at the time I made the at the time I made the transition, I didn't know. I didn't have a training strategy. I didn't have a coach. I didn't mm -hmm. have anything. All I knew was, in order to be good, you got to swim more, uh -huh. you got to ride more, and you got to run more. So that's yeah. all I did. And my volume was just my volume was high. I didn't necessarily wasn't good at any one of the three disciplines. I got better as I did more of it. Mm -hmm. Like the biking wasn't hard. I just had to get right. the volume in. Riding sure. a bike down the road straight is pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Anybody can do it. But to do it at a decent pace for that prolonged period of time takes training so I didn't have structure to my training I just did more right I ran more I swam more mm -hmm. you know and when I started swimming swimming for me I didn't I never I don't have a swimming background swimming for me at the time I started was like controlled drowning like just don't drown and you'll be right. good make right. it from one end of the pool to the next and back and keep yeah, yeah. keep building your volume and building yeah. your strength and you got better I got better and the same thing, you know, cycling, I just had to add the volume. Mm -hmm. And and running, which was probably the hardest to do based off of where I was coming from with the broken leg. Yeah. Um, it got easier as my injury healed and the more volume I put on, it got better. Right. Um, and that's probably, aside from the bike, what I was better at. Like I could... At the end of triathlon, I could run, I could probably run a 34 minute 10K off the bike. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's I'm doing, if I'm doing Olympic distance, which is a 1.2 mile swim, right? I think it's 24 mile bike and then a 10K. 10K, right. So I got pretty good at that and I was happy. 34 with, is quick. It's pretty quick. That's it's not, it's not seven ish, a little it's, under it's, seven. It's, it's, it's under six. Under six, yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh it's under gosh. six. It's under a six-minute mile. Yes, you're right. Six versus thirty-six. So you were just under that. Wow. But holy cow, that to sustain that, it's, it's pretty much you're sprinting while you're running. That's a fast yeah. run. So I got I got good at it, but the thing that made me get away from it was number one, it 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 costs a lot of money, mm -hmm. and number two, depending on the quality you want your training to be and the durations you have to put in for your training, it just takes a toll on any relationship you're in. Mm. Like right. if you're in a relationship with another triathlete and you guys can train together, that's great. Right. But my wife isn't that. Yeah. yeah. And it took a toll on our relationship. Mm -hmm. So I learned early, you know, late in it that, you know, eh, if I want this thing, if I want this relationship to survive, I need to, I need to get away from this. And so I stopped, I stopped doing triathlon I did it for about six, almost seven years, mm -hmm. and then I just focused on road racing. Okay. Yeah, right. so from like 2001 mm -hmm. till about late 2006, 
early 2007 is when I when oh, I raced right. triathlon. So I did I did a sprint triathlon in Big Bear of, as my first one. Granted, so super fast at altitude. Yeah, it sounds like a great one to start with. Let's do it. Yeah. So I did that. Right. And then I did uh, I did an Olympic distance after that. Uh-huh. And then I did a half Ironman after that. Uh-huh. And then my fourth one that I ever did was Ironman Utah in 2002. And that was a whole nother experience in itself because, and I did it uh, alongside uh, my friend who was my therapist at the time. We did it collectively together. You know, we were different age, we were different age brackets, sure. so we raced differently. We raced at di- we started at different times. Well, uh-huh. no, we didn't start at different times because in an Ironman, it's a mass start. Yeah, everyone yeah. starts together. Yeah, um, but we were on course. We would be on course at the same time. Yeah. Um, but the whole crazy story with that is. Ironman Utah turned into like a, a half Ironman because they canceled the entire swim portion because right as we were about to start and the whole the mass of everybody is in the lake, right. an enormous storm oh. ran through. So an enormous storm was coming through and there was a lot of confusion. People thought they heard the gun so people like the pros and everybody like the front of the field started to take off and swim so naturally everyone starts to take off right yeah so you're on this 2.4 mile swim in the middle of this this lake in utah in provo utah and the storm comes through and what ends up happening is it became yeah it was super scary it became i need to make sure i get back to land yeah. And it was a super scary, like, half hour in the water, not being around anybody, 10-foot waves crashing over your head, not, not seeing, not seeing anybody. Like, I can't, I can't see anybody. I mean, you're describing the ocean. I can't, I can't see anybody. Yeah. I can't see land. Right. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta survive this mm-hmm. because my wife or, my wife is on the shore and I have to get back to her. Right. So right. I ended up, like, Lying on my back, paddling on my back, doggy paddling, you know, and I found like two or three other people and we crept to the shoreline, Uh all three of us. And then we got out, they went to their families. I found Darcy, I found my buddy. And it was like this really emotional moment because found out like one or two people died. They drowned. So they ended up not counting the swim portion of the event and it became became a half so essentially instead of doing the 112 on a bike we did 56 and then we ran a half marathon okay. so I did well in my age division enough to qualify for Ironman Hawaii mm-hmm. um, and at the time I didn't want to take the slot like he would sit there the event would be over and they would they'd have each age division has a certain amount sure. of slots and they read your name off you either accept or you decline mm-hmm. and at the time I was like eh, you know my, me being like it wasn't a full effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want to take the spot. Right. But my wife and my buddy and his wife were all like, you need to take this. You never know if this mm-hmm. is ever going to come again. Yeah. You know? I'm like, all right. So I took the spot. Mm-hmm. I took the spot to Hawaii. I qualified yeah. for Kona. Yeah. And that Kona was my fifth ever triathlon that I did. Okay. And that was a wild experience, man. You, you know... Uh... 
Thankful that I did it. I, I wouldn't willingly go do it again. No, uh, in, if I remember the conversation correctly, when, when I was talking to, to to Jen and Brian last night, they were uh, they were talking about uh, you were you were finishing. So you were finishing. Uh, it would have been on the run, right? Yeah. The run was last. Yep. And it was dark out. Oh yeah. And you were completely depleted. It was something about like the twenty mile mark. I I didn't. I don't remember the exact story, but that was that your first or last. That time? was the first full. First that was full. the first full I did because Utah was supposed to be a full. Yeah, but yeah, with yeah. the incidences that happened, it yeah. turned out they were like, "All right, in order to get this event in and give everyone a shot, okay. this is what we're going to do." Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. as far as going the full distance, that mm -hmm. was my first one on that stage, where yeah. a lot of the Ironmans at the time you could sign up for. Sure. You could just pay the entry fee, do your training, toe the line, have your race, right. awesome. But mm -hmm. Hawaii, you have to qualify for. So that's why I took the spot. Yeah. And to do it on that iconic of a course, uh -huh. your first time doing the distance, I didn't understand the scope of it. I was right. just young and dumb and naive and figured well, I could do it, yeah, you know? Yeah. Not understanding mm -hmm. the amount of just physical punishment that it's going to take. Mm -hmm. So. I'm in the water it's you know and in the water start like a lot some Iron Man's mm -hmm. you'd start on the beach and run into the water sure. this one is hey the gun goes off at 7 you have to be in the water treading water uh, okay so treading water gun goes off you go out to the sailboat you mm -hmm. turn around you come back 2.4 miles 1, 1.2 1.2 back <sighs> so that was daunting and it was an overwhelming experience because that morning there it was storming and on the big island and the swells were pretty big so as you're paralleling the shore you know you're out in you're out in the deep but you're paralleling the shore you're getting rolled over with swells so you're up in the water and down in the water and up in the water and if you're a strong swimmer that's okay but yeah. I wasn't the strongest of swimmers yeah, yeah so the swim took me the swim took me a long time like I remember I think it took me like an hour and 20 maybe longer right it's a long time so yeah get out you're just you're disoriented you're chafed from the salt water yeah. you gotta peel off this wetsuit you go in transition you get all your bike stuff ready you head on the bike the bike ride was nice bike ride bike ride was beautiful 56 miles up the coast 56 miles back yeah. you know through That's the through like lava fields uh, into the headwinds yeah. the notorious Hawaiian winds that are there every year you know you, you go back through time and you listen to people's crazy stories about that mm -hmm. so battled all those elements windy right yeah super windy got to the run and I knew I knew going to the run I was like this and I remember passing Darcy there's an out and back like you, you at the time you, you made the transition mm -hmm. you ran through downtown Kona you turned and then you went up and out onto the main portion of the marathon mm -hmm. onto the onto the highway which is like the hottest part sure um, I remember seeing Darcy in town going, hey, this is going to be a long time. And it was just her and I there at the time. There was, she had no friends, so it was like, occupy your time the best you can. Yeah. Um, and I remember just making my way through it one mile at a time. I think I had a knee injury going on at the time, so it was a little extra slow. And I remember it was a wild experience emotionally because you're... You know, doing an event like that where you're you're by yourself essentially for 12 hours, sure. you know, less if you're if you're good. You go through some 
highs and lows, like emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You're crying one minute, you're super excited one minute, you feel great one minute, the next you feel like you're gonna die. It's 9,000 degrees, you're malnourished, you've sweat through everything, you know, and there's aid stations all throughout, so sure. there's everything you need, but to, it became a, a became a matter of, I just need to get to the next aid station, and it became a matter of survival. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm out there, I'm plugging away the miles, and I'm watching the sunset. And you don't want to quit. I don't want to quit, I came all this way. Right. And uh, yeah, I crossed the line in like 12 hours and 18 minutes, completely. That's not that it's not terrible, like that, but it, it, in my mind, I wanted to go quicker. But mm-hmm. on a day like that, with an event like that, mm-hmm. your body's only going to give you so much. Right, right. So I took what I could get. I did it. I finished. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that I did. You know, and I remember there's a funny story about that because Darcy's like trying to get my attention in the finishing shoot, and I'm just like, I see her, but I don't see her. Like, I'm. Yeah. I don't even know where I'm at, and I'm looking like through her. Yeah, and I'm just like, I cross the finish line. She comes up. I gave. She gives me a hug, and I'm, and and she goes, "Did you throw up on yourself?" I'm, like, no, no, not at all. And I remember thinking, I don't know if this is true, and I don't know if the body's physically capable of even doing this. Yeah. But I remember sitting in the water waiting for the gun to go off to yeah, start yeah. i had to go to the bathroom real bad like number two yeah, yeah, yeah and i'm like i could easily pull my suit down and disrespect the ocean right, right. and do my business and go on about my day yeah. but i didn't so my and i'm sticking to it i'm saying that my body used what should come out of your body as fuel to get me through the day and it just came out in my pores so i must have like yeah. I must have stunk pretty bad. Yeah. Throughout the course of the day with well, sweating and Yeah, I was gonna say if you're dehydrating. Sweating, dehydrating, not fueling properly. Absorbing it back into Yeah, your, and yeah, so maybe. that's kinda gross. And even the more disgusting thing is the mm-hmm. fact that I was so tired at the end of the event mm-hmm. that Darcy and I I needed some time to like get my bearings and like okay, I'm here don't think I'm gonna die let me calm down I'm good I got a little like flushing from the massage people that were on site and then I I went back to the hotel our hotel room and I fell asleep in my complete singlet disgusting sweaty gross I didn't even change I didn't even I didn't even shower I didn't change I didn't nothing I just fell asleep dirty gross smelly woke up the next day Darcy was sleeping in the other bed. Yeah, right, right. And uh, I was like, oh, I just passed out. Yeah. It's kind of gross. I smell. But yeah, an event like that, it's life altering. I'm surprised you even could sleep with your, like, I, oh, I, know, so I know my calves would be twisting. You know, just a lot of muscle spasms going on. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't walk the next day. Yeah, that's. I couldn't that's walk the next insane. day, as most people experience after sure. doing something like that. But it was fun. It was addicting, you know, and there's, there's, there's something you 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 suffer from, and I, I think it's a known thing. It's called it's called PIDS, post Iron Man distress syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where you 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 invest so much time, like uh-huh. you, you train for three or four months for an event like this. Right. The hardest part is getting to the finish or the start line healthy. Then you have your event. Your event either goes awesome or it doesn't go to how you planned it to be. And you can suffer from that mentally. Mm-hmm. So I suffered from that for a little bit, but that's where it gets addictive. You're like, mm-hmm. all right, what's the next one I can do? When is the next one? 
And I didn't go on to do, I only did one more Ironman. I did a lot more shorter distance races. Sure. Um, I did one more Ironman in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, mm-hmm. trying to qualify for Hawaii again, legitimately. Mm-hmm. But I came up like a minute short oh, of, getting, wow. of getting the last spot. And I never, I never did an Ironman again. I stuck to, I stuck to shorter distance events because, mm-hmm. because at that time I figured everyone that's ri- doing Ironman isn't racing it. The majority of participants aren't racing it. Surviving. They're surviving <laughs> it or they're trying to, you know, get the best out of themselves, which is awesome. Yeah. But only the people that are getting paid to do it and are doing it as a living, they're the ones racing it. I wanted to race triathlon. So I focused on doing shorter distances. I wanted to get the best I could out of myself. And that's when I started to stick with shorter events like Olympic distance because I felt like I could race those. Like I, mm-hmm. from the gun, I could go full gas from the swim to the bike or from the swim to the run. I could mm-hmm. really race and I could invest myself in, in the training mm-hmm. and the racing of it. And I, I stuck to shorter distances so I could race them to the best of my ability and then I eventually mm-hmm. just got tired of doing triathlon. Sure. And then I stuck to road cycling. For the record, you answered the question, but yeah. uh, Alan Foster asked if, if you had the opportunity at uh, at Kona again, would you do it? But I'm pretty sure it's a no. Well, um, here here's the thing: like, I don't, I wouldn't willingly do it. Mm-hmm. But if someone now, if if, if yeah. someone now said, "Here's an opportunity for you," mm-hmm. you know, I'm not currently employed. But if I were employed, okay, you'll get paid through your employer. Your employer will, you know, support you. We'll give you a training plan. We'll give you all the equipment. We'll give you a coach, and you train for this properly. Yeah. And you can do it. We'll give you an entry fee to the event. Would you do it? I probably would, mm-hmm. because those are all that would check all the boxes off that I never checked before. Like. I invested the time, mm-hmm. but I didn't know a damn thing about nutrition. I didn't know anything about proper training. All I knew at the time was do more. And doing more can get you into trouble. Sure. But if there's structure to that, and I was given that, mm-hmm. and given all those that support, I probably would do it. Yeah. Especially knowing what I know now, mm-hmm. as far as having some structured training under my belt mm-hmm. through cycling. Right. I would probably, and just my past experiences yeah, that, in triathlon. Right. And right. hanging around with guys that, you know, when I was in triathlon that were successful and knew a little bit about structured training at the time. Sure. Um, you know, I would, I would do that. Actually, I did have structured training now that I think about it. At one point, I got uh, structured training through Mark Allen. Wow, the yeah, Mark Allen. Not, not him per se, but it was his coaching platform oh, okay. through, a, through a different coach. I got you. Um, so I did have some structured training. Mm-hmm. And when you have structured training, you see results. Sure. But if I was given, uh, given an opportunity to have more structured training, I would probably do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How about we uh, pause for a minute? Yeah. Use bathroom. When we come back, we'll have Darcy read her questions, and then we'll get back into uh, back in the mode of the other ones as well. Yeah. Uh, if you're good with that, it's about two it. hours now, I think. Yeah, I could go on for days. Yeah, it's about. Oh, so, so could I. That's the problem. Uh, but yeah, let's let's I take think the break. This stick. 
Cool. So, if you are ready to get going again, certainly. All right. So let's uh, let's let's educate the listeners a little bit and use that loosely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're really we're educating them on the on the road cyclocross. Uh, yeah, road road bike cyclocross, uh, and these are people that you race with. So I have one from Bart, and you'll have to say his last name. Hervatin. Okay. So, actually, it makes sense now you say it when I, oh, it's, when I read yeah. it. It's, it's pretty close. I didn't know how to pronounce it for the longest time. Then I heard yeah. him. I had my own iteration of it, yeah. and I never said it. And then I heard him say it, and I was like, all right. Because you were way off, or no, were you on? I was way off. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know, and this is definitely an education, and I think this is an education for a lot of people. Uh, Parents. Oh, he's gonna get technical. He's a tech guy. Ah, uh, nah, nah. Nah, this is you, you a numbers it. guy. Nah, we're we're good. Trust right. me. Go for it. Uh, so Art wants to know. I'm curious how young riders stay interested slash focused on BMX racing versus freestyle. Did you do both, and did you have to make a choice at some point to focus on racing? Uh, and then he, he has a comment real quick. I've raced with Tim. He's the coolest guy, super strong and incredibly competitive. Tim is a local hero in Chicagoland. That's big praise. Chicagoland's a big area. Yeah. Thank you, Bart. Um, I think at the time I was coming up racing, um, like you said, Joe, the landscape or, or the difference, even though they're, they're both BMX racing and freestyle today, they're two totally different sides of the coin if you will from what I see as perspective um, but back when I was doing it it was kind of like they they were kind of hand in hand you know you could you could ride the trails during the week and you could race on the weekend but during your riding the trails throughout the course of the week and the way they were back then you could somehow you could sometimes race the trails Right. You could have, you know, I think I remember, I don't know where or when or with who, but I'm pretty sure at some point we used to race at the trails, you know, in our own kind of way, which is in stark comparison to what it is today. True. But it was easy to keep interest back then because you could race, you could ride the trails, you could race the trails. So they kind of all blended together. Mm-hmm. Um so keeping the interest wasn't hard to do at all. You know, we growing up on the island, we had a very, a very strong group of people that were we surrounded ourselves with as far as our scene was concerned. So the it was easy to ride. It was easy to stay motivated. You know, our local our local track always had a good turnout. Um, so it was you know, and that was a place where we could all gather. If we weren't gathering at the trails, we knew that Sunday everyone would be there. So it was easy to stay involved in it. It was, you know, on the local level, it's when, you know, people branched out and maybe did more national stuff and they maybe didn't have as much success on a bigger stage that maybe they lost interest in it or figured out, you know, maybe this isn't for me or I, you know, they are at a turning point in their life and they want to try something else. Mm-hmm. They maybe gave up on it. Um, but for me, it was, it was interesting or it was easy to stay engaged because I was... I was having fun and that's, I was hanging out with my friends, I was, 
you know, I was blessed to have parents that let me go wherever I wanted and do and have as much of the freedom as I as I had as a kid growing up riding BMX. So it was easy to it was easy to stay engaged and, and, and keep my interest going. Um, it went back and forth, up and down. You know, when I started to compete on a bigger stage, but I never lost the love for it. And I was always to I, I was always able to latch on to to something that you know maybe I would maybe I would be losing interest, but I would see something whether it's in a magazine or through you know personal experience that would that would bring me back, and I would be able to latch back on and and, and have a better understanding and a better a bigger love for it. So mm -hmm. I was it was easy for me to stay interested. Yeah, you know magazines were a huge part of it. Yeah. Just because you see, yeah. you, you're young, you're on. The opposite side of the country where everything's happening you know we were on the east coast everything was happening out on the west coast yeah. and that was always the, the material that you saw in the magazine so as an east coaster you're begging john kerr to take your photo yeah <laughs> not even that you're just you're, you're 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 dreaming a lot yeah yeah, yeah you know right. you're dreaming a lot you know i'd have i'd have millions of sleepovers with with keith mulligan where i'd stay at his house and he'd stay at my house and we would just stay up late nights just thumbing through magazines talking about stuff and content and mm -hmm. what if we did this and do you think we could do that and right. how can we bring this into our own scene and oh check out this photo or did you see that and we just it kept us interested and then we obviously know he went on to a great career in, in the, the print media industry um, oh Keith did yeah. yeah you know he got his dream job and that was awesome and it was easy to stay engaged because you had you had like minded individuals in your mm -hmm. scene that were that could bring you back into it if you were sure. kind of getting out of it yeah, or unsure about it. So we had a great crew, a great, a great group of people that it was easy to stay, I think stay I, involved. I think I asked Keith a question along those lines somewhat after he moved out. So he's yeah. working at Snap. Yeah. Yeah. Snap first, right? And then it became uh, uh, Ride. Right? Yep. So but what was great is... The point I was trying to get across is okay. He's from this area that we all know is awesome, and we, and by we I mean like Jeff, Ted, myself, a bunch of us would go to Long Island a lot. So it's if we every weekend almost. You guys, Jeff went every weekend. I yeah, he did. <laughs> he definitely did. Just uh, to get bummed is, out when he wouldn't come, was, him or Ted. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So, but what was cool is um, it was legit. It's not like Keith was doing us a favor when he came to do like a scene report on 7-Eleven or my house yeah that stuff was like I didn't believe it at the time I thought it was like a favor but then yeah. I kept reading and I'm like that wasn't a favor he was he knew a scene that he wanted to yeah. project yeah and he did it Stu's was like one of the coolest things I remember Absolutely. when he started that up yeah he always had he's, oh the zine yeah he's oh, always he's had it you know his Oh, you're talking about for when I you was came, talking for snap. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And that you know, obviously, you you saw mm -hmm. what he did, and and sometimes I would see, you know, living with him mm -hmm. while he was working for the magazine, and watching this dude just run himself into the ground with deadlines, but he's yeah. got a gift, and he's he he had a, a, a big creative sense and he always wanted the magazine to be a certain way and he right. did whatever he could to do it and that was awesome and that stems from his time you know having his own zine and being having a creative outlet with that yeah you know yeah, totally I yeah. remember seeing Keith 
and this is off on a tangent, but sure. I remember seeing him on a deadline when we all lived together in mm-hmm. Huntington Beach. He had a deadline, and I swear he drank an ungodly amount of Red Bulls. I think he drank yeah. like five or six Red Bulls, and he was off his rocker, man. He was scary ripping around the house that. just like this, 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 oh this, and he was gosh. up forever. Mm-hmm. And then you wouldn't see him for like a day or so because he had to recover because he was ran, ran himself ragged. But he put his heart and soul into it. He did, and he was so modest about that during yeah. his podcast. So modestly, he always has been. But yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, Keith, Keith is a pretty amazing guy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so uh, we'll go to Dominic Lopez, yeah. another roadie from around here. Yep. Slash cyclocross. Do you guys pretty much do both? These, these no, I, I do both. Those guys dabble a little bit. Like Bart, Bart does. You know, we have uh, like a twelve race series. He'll mm-hmm. maybe do. Three or four of them, depending. For depending road, on road or cross? no, for cross. Oh, okay. Um, but they, these guys are heavily invested in our, our road season that we have out here. We usually have a yeah. There's a big series in Wisconsin mm-hmm. that usually goes on in June. There's mm-hmm. a big series in July, which is you know obviously we know has all been canceled. Sure. But they're heavily invested in that. They're uh-huh. they're on a team that's heavy in the community. They do a lot of good things. So their their main focus is really the road. Right. Right. But they're good dudes. Yeah. No matter what. Um, all right. So Dominic. How do you stay competitive over a 30-plus year spread? Um, that's one. I'll let you answer that. He's got, he's got a couple. They're different. How do I stay competitive over a 30-year spread? Well, I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot that goes into that. I think you have to, as, as each year passes, you know, if you're a goal setter, your goals change. Um, you know, do better at this series, do better at this race. Um, you know, you're never gonna you're never gonna stop training, but I think it's as I've gotten older, it's it's been how can I better myself? How can I be better than last year mm-hmm. and not lose the fun of it? Mm-hmm. You know, you have to you have to have to have to have to always embrace why you started doing it. And 90% of the people that do anything they love in life is because they have fun at it and they enjoy it and it fulfills them personally. And I think if you're able to ask yourself that question every single year that passes, why do you do it? And if your first answer is because you love it and it's fun, then it's easy to stay engaged in it. You know, I, I tried coaching for a while cycling wise mm-hmm. you know road cycling wise and I I got good got strong I was str- I had a ton of structure my coach was very you know very flexible uh, um, according to how I was feeling for the day and whatever my training requirements were mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it boiled down to me not having fun anymore I kept feeling like I was a slave to the numbers. Right. And going through life, doing something you love, staring at a computer screen that tells you if you're having a good day or a bad day, uh-huh. doesn't see, didn't seem like very much fun. Right. The results were there, but in order to enjoy the results more, you have to enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. And if the process isn't fun, then you can easily get distracted and lose your love for it so you have to find 
ways that keep you excited about what you're doing, the success you're having, and the love you have for whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. Good? It's not a problem. Sorry, Mom. Talk to you later. That's my mother. Really? Yeah. I sent I, I sent her a DM, too. Oh, you did? Did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, but I, then I realized, I'm like, oh, I should have just gotten the phone number because uh, yeah. she probably never looks at messages on Instagram. No, you'd be surprised. Really? You'd be surprised. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, she didn't catch it. Yeah. That's all right. In time. Actually, um, it wouldn't really matter if you answered that. That'd be kind of funny. No. But um, anyway. I'm doing a podcast. I'll call you later. I know, but I'm she. She's a what proud. What the fuck are you doing that for? Yeah. <laughs> she give me a she give me a ton of crap for it. Oh but, really? Yeah. Um, oh, all right. Dif dif different conversation, different time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you, yeah. So that's that's how I stayed competitive, and I think, I think as the years start to tick off, mm -hmm. it's more important for me to enjoy what I'm doing and be as competitive as I possibly can on the day. Because at the end, this there's going to be a time where this candle burns out. Mm -hmm. um, maybe in a year, maybe in five or ten years. Mm -hmm. So now is a time for me to really enjoy what I'm doing, who I'm surrounding myself with, and just be the best bike rider or bike racer I can be on the day. Mm -hmm. I've accomplished a lot in cycling throughout all different aspects of cycling. And the more time that I have to reflect on that, it's been a pretty damn good run. And I don't feel like I need to impress anybody. And I'm starting to understand that I don't really need to impress myself anymore. Right. And I'm reaching a point where it's more important for me to, to give back to cycling in a positive way than it is for me to earn anything more from cycling, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes you know? total sense. Do you, uh, why don't I give you these other ones from him and then we can uh, pause, eat a little, and then we'll sure thing. Darcy. Sure thing. Uh, his second question was, are you intrinsically or externally motivated? Uh, Which you're kind of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I gotta, I, I gotta dictionary dot com that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to think about it. I, I had to think about it, and I was thinking, I'm like, okay, are, are you motivated for your own pleasure, your own your own reward, or are you are you uh, motivated because of someone else that you put up on a pedestal? You know, that's the way I understood that question. Um, I think anybody that trains for anything, especially in a sport that is is you know or can be and is somewhat of a solo sport, at least in my case, I think uh, you're training to be a better you. Mm -hmm. You're training for results that are better, whether it's for, you know, your own personal satisfaction or satisfaction of the team environment you're in. Mm -hmm. You're training to be better. Nobody's training to just be average. Right. Nobody, you know, everybody that trains or does anything, no matter whether it's swimming, biking, running, whatever you're training for, mm -hmm. you're training to be a better version. You know, and sure. throughout the course of training, you're gonna learn lessons about yourself. Um, you know how far you can push yourself, what your limitations are. You know, this is good for me, this is bad for me, and it takes you on this this 
this journey through training for sport mm -hmm. where you actually have time to figure out what kind of person you are. Sure. It takes some people longer than, than others, but mm -hmm. um, as far as motivation, I've always, it's, it's been easy for me to stay motivated. I watch, I watch, you know, things through social media or, you know, YouTube or whatever, things mm -hmm. that that keep me motivated, you know, whether it's on a professional stage um, or the local amateur stage or whatever. It's, I, I watch those things and, and I get motivation. I find motivation through that because mm -hmm. my struggle is my struggle and my training is my training, but other it's different for other people. Sure. And if I see something that is cool or, or something that, that I, I relate with or something that draws my attention to where I don't even blink for five minutes while I'm watching it, that's motivating to me. And I latch onto that and I watch that and it's easy for me to stay motivated. That reminds me, because this does play in. The other night I was out on a road ride and we were working out the details of this. Yeah. And all I could muster was a picture of my shadow on the road bike. I understood exactly sun, what you were saying. I sent it and I was like, I don't think I need to say any more to him because he... He's on the road plenty. He knows what's going on. Uh, and it was cool because I, I, that was exactly... I knew exactly what you were saying. And the it, first thing that went through my head was like, my bad. No, <laughs> well, maybe that went through... You know why? Because I can't stand it when my phone rings when I'm riding. I can't it's, stand it. Yeah. I tell Darcy all the time, I'm going here. This is my route. This is how long I'm going to be yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Don't bother me. Yeah, yeah. Don't Unless bother it's me. Unless it's an emergency. Unless it's an emergency. And then I know... When the mm -hmm. phone rings, you know what? I, it's you, an emergency, and I should answer. Your response—you could probably see in there somewhere. You probably have to scroll back, but it was—it was along the lines of, like, basically, get it, go, go, go get it, like, yeah. you know, hit it. Don't you know, and, and I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to yeah. you when you get home. And that's 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 the funny thing. Like, I see, I see, and I have this this perspective, mm -hmm. and I don't know, I don't know what this is about me. But when I go out and I ride and I train, albeit I'm mostly by myself, like I don't go on a lot of group rides, mm -hmm. just because I don't want to be bothered. I just want to go out and I want to ride. Right. I want to ride. I want to ride hard, or I want to ride easy. But I don't want to be bothered. Right. I don't stop to take pictures. Sometimes I do. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm just out on a on a chill ride or something really yeah. grabs yeah. me, where I'm like, wow, yeah. that's that's beautiful. I should mm -hmm. take a picture of that. And I'm starting to learn to appreciate those finer moments in life, mm -hmm. but 99.9% .9 of the time, I don't want to be bothered. I've got an agenda. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take pictures. I don't care if my social media has X yeah. amount of followers. I don't care. Yeah. My social media is there not for followers. Mm -hmm. My social media is there for me to tell my life to you in pictures. Sure. And if you get something out of it, that's cool. But I'm not mm -hmm. going to stop and take a picture just because I want you to like what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to be right, bothered, right. and Darcy knows that full well. Yeah, I get I get cool. mad because I was going out on the. I've even yelled at my parents for yeah. calling. <laughs> I've yelled at my parents, not yeah, like yeah. not like I've answered the phone, right, right, and right. and been mad at them for calling me. Yeah, but I'll pull it out of my jersey pocket and look, and I see that it's my parents, and I will yeah, get yeah. mad. Right, right. Like, don't bother me. Yeah, yeah. And they know, they know. Late, late, yeah. 
Lately, I've been uh, taking a few more pictures because I do hard nights of riding. Yeah. Depending on whether it's road or mountain bike, and I only do hour, hour and a half at a time, but I like to try to jam the, yeah, get the it elevation up. Yep, yep. I just try to because it's a shorter ride, an hour and a half. I, I get as much elevation. Well, as I, I look can. at that when I see when I see you upload to your stories, and I see you know the course of your ride. Yeah. And I know the end picture is going to be your route, and I look at your mileage, yeah. and it's like. 20 miles 18 and a half but your sure. your climbing is like 4500 or 3000 I'm like yeah, yeah. that's a good ride I know enough as a cyclist to know that 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 much elevation gain in that short a distance that's a good ride it's going to drag your and I get jealous down. because out here in order for me to get 3000 feet I got to ride for four and a half hours yeah yeah unless yeah. I go way up north where and you're it's probably more. a good climber or maybe you're maybe now you're you're in as like a, a good punchy climber like a short steep climb because you don't have a lot of it's funny you say that like I never and this is getting away from it all but I never really I never wanted to fall into any kind of bucket as a cyclist I never wanted to be a sprinter I never wanted to be a climber Mm -hmm. I never wanted to be this or that I just wanted to be good at everything sure because I wanted to race everything like Peter Sagan kind of yeah everyone defaults to Peter Sagan but I look at other guys like there's guys that they're cyclists there's so many top tier Mm -hmm. like guys in the world tour that nobody's ever heard of because it's not a Peter Sagan yeah, because they're not yeah, in the media yeah. right. right that guys like like Alejandro Valverde he's a Spanish yeah. guy and he's an he's an all-rounder I, mm-hmm. I I liken myself more to that dude sure than a Peter Sagan oh yeah he's yeah he's you he's know. a guy that could win he's, overall he, he could win he's got every piece and of I him. always wanted to I like for me I always wanted to be that kind of a bike mm-hmm. rider yeah there's going to be X amount of climbing no mm-hmm. worries there's right. going to be this kind of sprinting Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not a great sprinter, but I'll I'll hang right. in there, right. you know. And I just wanted to I wanted to be good at it all. Sure, I still yeah. do. Yeah, but as you yeah. get older, your body puts limits on you. Yeah, but that's only that's in your mind, you know. It is a lot of that's totally. in your mind. Yeah, it, a lot of that's in your mind. Um, two more quick ones. Yeah, uh, and then we'll uh, eat some lunch there. All right. So, what advice would you give to your beginner self? And I'm not sure if he's talking beginner in road cycling. Nah, that can't be because he knew that you were riding when you're doing tries and all that so i don't know beginner self well interpret if, that if it's in more. if it's in regards to sport mm-hmm. i would i would just if i could if if this guy sitting at this table doing this podcast right now mm-hmm. could see a younger version of himself and communicate with mm-hmm. it with him would just say probably to to stick with it you're gonna have highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Celebrate the highs, and as crazy as it sounds, celebrate the lows, because in the lows, there's teachable moments. Mm-hmm. And throughout my youth, and even into my older years as a, as a competitive athlete, and I use the word athlete loosely, mm-hmm. but as someone competitive. I didn't learn how to celebrate the lows or learn from the lows. Mm-hmm. All I did was see it as a loss mm-hmm. and never as an opportunity to grow from it. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm you know, 44 years old, it's only been in, within the last couple of years that I've been able to understand that mm-hmm. um, and have that inner dialogue with myself. But I would probably say that celebrate the highs, celebrate the lows, and don't lose focus of who you are. Sure. Stay true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to lose sight Thanks. 
of who you are mm -hmm. in this day and age. There's too many outside influences. If you can stay grounded, mm -hmm. stay true to yourself, you know, and 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 learn from those people that are are closest to you and care the most about you. That's what you have to value. Mm -hmm. Don't be influenced by the wrong thing. Yeah. Perfect answer. That's it. Damn, where where were you when you were when I was a kid? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> All right, we got we got one more from him. All right, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll dive into some Chipotle. Thank you, thank you, Darcy. Would not have <laughs> probably Darcy. without you. Uh, he wants to know. This is Dom Lopez still. He wants to know what does the voice inside your head sound like when it's the last lap and you're getting ready to win a sprint. Well. Okay, if like we're if we're one. going solely based off of what Dom has said right there, mm -hmm. it's the last lap, and I'm getting ready to know to 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 win a sprint. Like I know I can win the sprint. The bell has rung. You're the bell's it. rung. Okay, yeah. so in that scenario, the bell's probably rung. Uh -huh. I'm in a breakaway of probably two or three others. Mm -hmm. Two ideal, so that makes three. Uh, you know, four. There's an outside chance you're not getting on the podium, but yeah, if you're in a breakaway. And you know you're gonna win the sprint. It's easy. It's like I'm gonna eat these dudes alive. They only have they have no clue. And I've been in that situation. And that's a good feeling. Mm -hmm. You just have to be sure you're not stupid. You have to still be smart about it. Yeah. You can't just rest on the fact that you're going to out sprint them mm -hmm. because they tactically might be smarter than you. Which I've fallen victim to as well. Oh, sure. But they probably got you to lead. There's a point where you have to be smart about it you can't be overconfident about it but mm -hmm. you can't not be confident about it yeah. so in my mind when those circumstances have a have arisen mm -hmm. i've been like oh yeah i got this no problem and that yeah. just then you know that makes it easier to sprint because you uh -huh. just know you have it you just got to time it right 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 sometimes you do sometimes you don't mm -hmm. um but i'd much rather come to the line with two or three guys than 45 or 50 other guys oh my gosh yeah because 45 or 50 guys in a field sprint is super dangerous mm. as I'm sure Dom knows yeah. and a lot of the other people listening may know as mm -hmm. opposed to even a group of five or six yeah. you know that's why I always try to in criteriums I always tried to get off the front and it's not easy to do no you know it's very it's, it's you either have to be on a really good day to get mm -hmm. away or things just have to play out right and you get lucky and you you get in the break but yeah um yeah that's what I would be telling myself all right or, you know, don't screw this up. This is a great <laughs> opportunity. Don't screw this up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't lay out like that all the time. No, it, right? it certainly doesn't. They, it, you, it goes the wrong way way more times than it goes the right way. Sure, yeah. And that's just that's just bikes. Yeah, you know? definitely. Bikes and competition. Yeah. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, right, Dom. Let's take a uh, take a work break here to eat a little. Oh, Thank yeah. you very I'm much. All right. hope everyone's enjoying the Timmy... Strilicky podcast. It's been amazing as far as you've heard so far, but I can guarantee you it gets even better for part two. Just wanted to mention a couple quick things. I wanted to thank Powers Bike Shop for continuing to sponsor the podcast and just keeping things keeping things supported so it makes it a little easier for me to get things done 
This was a wild one-day trip that I wouldn't trade anything in the world for. It was such a great time, and I'm sure you can hear that so far. I also want to mention Old Bones Therapy. They've been, we'll say, co-sponsoring the podcast and uh, helping me out a bit with some product that they sell that is uh, pretty comforting to your knees or your elbows. For me, I use it for the knees. It's a it's a really nice knee sock that has a rubber ring that goes around your patella, and it's uh, it just makes it so much easier to ride and run. So anyway, check them out when you can. And Powers Bike Shop, always keep them in mind for any BMX needs. Pure BMX Bike Shop with a BMX museum, which you can also find on Instagram or through their website in Powers Pre-Owned. So uh, that's about it as far as the sponsorship front. Here's the big one. The event that I had planned for July 26th that was canceled because of the amount of people or whether we could even use the track on July 26th, the event is back on. So the trick is, is that initially I'm allowed to have about 100 people. So I'll figure out a way to do it, but watch the Instagram, please, through Gromdad2000, and it will. I'll do the best I can at... Um, making sure I can accommodate for anyone that can come. Uh, There's a good chance that they'll up the limit of the amount of people we can have at the event. Uh, But I can't count on that yet. So as of now, it's a tight one. It's about 100 people, maybe up to 150 people. So it's going to become a first-come, first-serve event with more than likely an online option to participate if there's something you want to bid on we'll keep that separate from uh, from what's being bid on there if there's any manufacturers listening to this podcast please 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 get a hold of me right away because uh, basically I'm going to try to pull this off in about three weeks so I think I can do it and have a jump line there as well as the the BMX track, we will will definitely be using that as well. But really looking forward to it, July 26th at the Trumbull Track in Connecticut. So that's it for now. Watch out for part two coming your way next week. And thank you so much, Timmy and Darcy Strelicki, for making the experience so awesome.